Blog Talk Radio. Ten years ago, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire... Hockey Radio Show, brought to you as always by BackpagePress.com and by the number one non-updated hockey site in all the land, LCSHockey.com. LCS. All right, so uh, Mike Dell. Larry. Up? Yes. Not much. We, we have a guest tonight, Larry. We do. We do have a guest. I actually booked a guest. Yeah. And yep. uh, well, we don't have a guest uh, yet for next week. But would you like to tease what you're going to do next week on the show? Uh, next week, I'm going to eat an impossible Whopper on the air because I've never had there one, and Street Dreamer suggested it, so we're going to do that. And then two weeks from now, I think I got us a guest. Who? One, Mister Chris Jeffel. What? Yeah. Why does he you want know, to come on the show? Well, we started talking. Eh, we, uh, I'll tell you what, Mike Dell, the Neil Pert passing away was crushing this afternoon. And when I saw the news of of him dying, I immediately thought of Jeffel because he and I, you know, we went to a lot of Rush concerts together. We loved Rush, and I thought of him immediately. So then I started talking to him on Facebook, and we had like a good, long, open heart-to-heart type of <laughs> chat going on, and I was like, you should come on the show, and he's like, I'd love to, and so, two weeks, I think. All right, well, that's something. An old, old yeah. childhood friend of Larry's will <laughs> be coming on the yep. show. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. this week, Larry, fun. this yeah. week, yes. we have author and podcast host Josh Minton. Right. He, he's going to come on, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to talk all about season three of Twin Peaks. Because he wrote a book mm-hmm. about it called The Skeleton Key to Twin Peaks. And, and for some reason, yeah, go ahead. I want to call him Jeff. I don't know why, yeah, well, don't. but yeah. I, I know. It's, it's not like I'm trying to be a dick, but I mean, the couple times like where uh, you t- you and I talked about this, I, I said Jeff twice, and you, and you corrected me both <laughs> times. You said it's Josh, and I'm like, I don't know why I think his name is Jeff. Yeah, it's Josh. Josh. I know. Uh, yeah. So you can uh, his podcast is the Red Room Podcast. They talk TV and a lot of Twin Peaks at redroompodcast.com. And you go to his website, jbminton, M-I-N-T-O-N, uh, writer, I believe, .com. And uh, you can download the book. You can download it for free, Skeleton Key to Twin Peaks. He just asks uh, if you can make like a $5 donation to the uh, David Lynch Foundation for Transcendental Meditation. So, if you, you haven't like, done that yet. I have. Because I'm a good guy. I yeah. do that kind of thing. Yeah. All right, Larry, do you have Josh's phone number ready? 
Yes. Feel free to dial. Are you are you dialing? Well, I hit the button, but we are also on Blog Talk Radio, so it just says dialing. Huh. Oh, there oh, it is. I go. hear something. Hi, this is Josh. Josh, hey, this is Michael Dell, the LCS Hockey Radio Show. We are hi, live Michael, on the air with my co-host Larry. Larry, say hi to Josh. What's up, Josh? Larry. How's it going, fellas? Thanks for having me on. Hey, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you making the time for us. Now, uh, Josh, I just gave you the introduction before you got on the air, but I mentioned the uh, Red Room podcast that you've been doing. Yep. Now, uh, who, who's your what's your co-host name on there? Scott. Co-host name is Scott Ryan. Scott Ryan. And how long have you guys been doing that show? So I think we started about 10 years ago almost now. Wow, um, yeah. Been a long time, back before uh, you could actually make money with podcasts. And spoiler alert, we still do not make money with podcasts. Yeah, so. yeah Josh, we, Larry and I have been doing this for 12 years. We haven't made a, a dime. So don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. We're, we're right That's how they you. know we love what we do, right? <laughs> Well, I don't know if we love it. We're, it's more like court nah. mandated as part of our parole. We have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I listened to an, ep- an episode uh, this week uh, that you did with um, uh, Jeff Lemire, the comic book oh, yeah. guy. Because uh, he, uh, for listeners of this show, might remember several months back I was talking about Essex County. Yeah. A, and I, I read that. I was a big fan of that. So I liked uh, you and Jeff were talking about uh, season three of Twin Peaks. He's a big Twin Peaks fan as well. Yeah, so I was very lucky to meet Jeff. First of all, that was like an honor of my life. Sorry, my dog is squeaking her toy. Uh, that's like an honor of my life that uh, he asked to interview me on our podcast. And, and yeah, I briefly awesome. met him through Twin Peaks. I mean, he's a, he's a huge lover of Twin Peaks, and he actually did a, a um, cover for the Blue Rose magazine, which Scott Ryan, my co-host, actually is the uh, managing editor of. So, so I was lucky Blue to meet Rose you. Blue Rose Magazine, it's just completely dedicated to Twin Peaks. It is, and, and Dave, some David Lynch, but mostly all Twin Peaks. It's an amazing wow. magazine. Holy hell. You guys really love Twin Peaks. We love Twin yeah. Peaks, and I never watched it before 10 years ago. See, Larry and I never watched it at all until about three months ago. Right, Larry? <laughs> we uh, yeah, three, four months ago, yeah, we started it. We so, started doing two, two episodes a night uh, on this show every week, I guess. We would do two episodes. And so it was all fresh to us. Like, I knew – I was wow. aware of it my younger days, but I never really watched it. Like, I knew all about it, but I never really watched it. So this was the first time we actually sat down and watched it. Now, uh, how, how old a fellow are you, Josh? I am 44. Hey, that's how old I am. Exactly. <laughs> Bang. Right on the button. L- Larry's a little bit older. Larry, what are you, like 60? You're a uh, like uh, no, not sixty, fifty nine okay. and a half. Yeah, yeah, he's a little bit older. But okay. uh, so when we, so did you watch it then uh, when it came out in eighty nine and ninety? Were you no, 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 I didn't. Uh, my co-host did, but I did not. Oh, that's he right. was you said the you one just that started actually, watching it ten years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He <laughs> he made me watch it, and he had this whole ritual. So like when you get to the to the second episode, you have to eat donuts. And he, he had this whole thing. I had to read Laura Palmer's diary at a certain episode. And I went along with it because it absolutely added flavor. Keep in mind, this was before Twin Peaks came back, by the way. This was, it was a dead show, right? Yeah. It's like a Rocky Horror type uh, experience. Totally. 
Yeah, yeah about that's that. pretty badass. So, I like it. So um, Larry and I going through, we both loved season one, right, Larry? Loved it. It was I loved tremendous. it. Sure. I thought it was spectacular, and I've since gone back and watched season one again because uh, it's on Hulu. I don't know if the kids out there realize this. We were watching it on Netflix. It's also on the Hulu, and I still have the Hulu. So I went back and I watched the season one again, and it is so good. Oh my God, is it good? <laughs> it's so good. Now season yeah. two, when we got to season two, uh, I we had diff- what, what did you feel season two, Larry, when we got in there? Well, I remember you and I both. By episode four, we were ready to like bail. Yeah, and I was like, mm. and then you said, let's just keep going and see, and then like from five on, it got solid again. Well, see, I don't, I, don't, I think it uh, actually going back because I started watching season two again. I think the first four episodes aren't that bad once you get into it. I think our problem, Josh, was when we we got into season two. There is a drastic shift in tone of this yes. series. Our yes. expectations were yeah. Because I'm Not a mystery met. writer, so I'm I'm way into like mysteries and uh, uh, you know murders and whatnot. So season one is pretty much like 90% murder mystery, 10% quirky weird stuff, and then That's I right. think season two is like almost the exact reversal of that. It's like almost all quirky, weird stuff, and then a little bit of mystery, you know. So to understand why that shift happened, and I think there is an answer, by the way. Yeah. You have to kind of understand the market forces that were at play at the time, as well as how very, very different David Lynch and Mark Frost are from one another. So they kind of co-wrote, you know, the first pilot episode. They did it, I think, two years before it actually aired, maybe even three years. And then they basically filmed all of season one all at the same time. And then it got picked up and aired. So oh, okay. like that, that was a, a creative burst for that first season. And then David Lynch basically stepped away for the most part. I think he'd been filming Wild at Heart most of that time. He did come in and direct a few episodes, including some pretty seminal moments, like the, the revealing of the killer, which I won't say in case some, some of your viewers haven't uh, uh, watched no, the show. We, we've spoiled We're that spoiling. We okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Leland, who I, I got to meet Ray Wise a few months ago, and that guy's amazing. Um, you know, you know what's amazing? Were, yeah. I'm sorry, but you know what's amazing is I just watched the episode, I guess I guess it's episode one of season two last night, but it, where he sings that song about uh, the sheep uh, eating ivy and whatnot. Mary's eating dope. Mary's eating dope. Right? That is spectacular. I don't know how he still sings that. Yeah, so right now, him and Cheryl Lee, who who plays Laura Palmer, they are touring the country doing Firewalk with Me showings. My my buddy Mike McGrainer here in Columbus is actually the executive producing that. And they go and they do these kind of, you know, FAQ sessions and people can ask them questions. And almost every single one, Ray sings Mare's Eat Oats and Dozy Oats and Little Lambs Eat Ivy. Good stuff, man. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, you were saying uh, uh, Leland and whatever. Yeah, so you know, the ABC put a ton of pressure on Mark and David to reveal who the killer was. A ton of pressure that they frankly couldn't say no to in the end, and so they had to reveal. I think it, it, they had always known it was going to be Leland, but they really wanted to drag it out and perhaps never reveal it. I mean, that's that's kind of the the stuff that Brad Dukes flushes out in his book Reflections, which is a great. Uh, you know, kind of day-by-day view of of what it was like to put that show together. So 
once they revealed who the killer was, you got me as a mystery writer. Think about this problem. How, where would we go from there? <laughs> yeah. And you kind of get, you know, that James and Evelyn situation, which was just absolutely a, the worst part of Twin Peaks. But <laughs> once they came back with the Wyndham Earl stuff, like yeah, that was got, next It got level. better at the end there. It did get better. Totally. So, and darker, which is great. Yeah. Uh, the, the final episode's great. You know, that final scene of him in the mirror, like, how's Annie? And all that. Sure. That's great. Yeah. That, that episode destroyed television, by the way. So the, the idea that every TV show had to wrap up in a nice, nice, cute little bow, like, you know, Mr. Belvedere or something, they destroyed that with that episode when it aired on TV. Yeah, I could imagine. Like, But it seems like uh, people, there wasn't much of a uh, clamor to bring it back, though, you know? <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, I mean, people, what, they thought Fire Walk With Me was going to be a kind of a sequel, and they found out what it was. I'm assuming you guys yeah. have watched that, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, what would you think? Larry? I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I liked it uh, for what it was, but I can understand if, like, people went into it thinking they were getting more Twin Peaks, they had to be really disappointed. Sure, sure. So, you know, it's funny, you, you realized early that there's basically two types of Twin Peaks fans that were still watching the show in 2010 when, when I watched it. And one is the donut and kind of goofy humor yeah. folks, which is fine. That's great. And then there's the Bob and the Black Lodge people. And those people are really jacked up, man. I know because I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that dark yeah, stuff I, is season I, three, I go man. back and That's forth it. because I think uh, – I would have liked to have seen Twin Peaks just be a murder mystery without all the weird shit. But if it didn't yep. have all the weird shit, there's no way it would last as long as it did. You know, like that weird shit is what created the cult following for it, you know? Totally, and, and that's the beauty of, of Lynch and Frost together because Frost is the, is the mystery man. He, he's the story man, the narrative. He wrote for Hill Street Blues. The guy just thinks like a novelist, right? And then you've got David Lynch that comes in and just deconstructs a narrative to the point where you don't even realize that it's a story that's being told anymore. And it's just a beautiful balance between those two artists. It's like Lennon and McCartney, you know? So uh, since you were uh, re- watching it 10 years ago, you had to be really excited then when you heard season three was coming back. Was like, I was, oh, yeah. That was going to be my Twin Peaks, man. It, it had been someone else's Twin Peaks up until then, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, so what, what was it like then when uh, that debuted for you? Were you uh, happy with it? When you watch it, the first uh, time. I, I loved season three. I loved everything about season three, and, and there are people out there that just absolutely despise my opinion on this. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, old, it, and it's basically true. Like most old school fans are, don't like season three, even if yeah. they admit that they enjoyed watching it again and they're happy that Twin Peaks came back. Very few people are satisfied with the ending of what we got at season three. I freaking loved it, everything about it. So um, when it aired, you know, that was the summer that my, my podcast co-host had kicked off the magazine. That they couldn't have brought that back at a better time. So <laughs> there was all this time, excitement. Yeah. You know, there was all this excitement. They were out there at the premiere. Um, I, I should have said this, but his, his co-managing editor is John Bourne, who wrote the original Wrapped in Plastic magazine. And there's like, you know, 80 of those things or something like that. And it basically kept Twin Peaks alive for 20 plus years in, in between, it helped bring it back. And so you've got some pretty passionate fans out there uh, that really were putting a lot of hopes into season three coming back. And some of them were pretty damn disappointed. Still are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, Larry, when we were going through season three, what, <coughs> do you remember your original impression, Larry, when we were watching season three? Yeah. my I Listen, I probably understood 
9% of season three, but I loved every second of it. I just, it was like, it was surreal and dreamy and fun. And, you know, it's still a lot of quirkiness. I, I would have liked to see a little more season one Cooper in it. You know, there, we got mm-hmm. a lot of Dougie Jones, but, you know, all in all, I, I loved season three. Yeah, my feelings were I liked the the first couple episodes, and then um, the Dougie Jones stuff just wore me down, and mm. it really, really got on my nerves. And I would have bailed probably, but then it it rallied. I think it rallied towards the end, and I really liked the final three or four episodes. So I'm like, oh, all right. Well, as long as I know this is where we're going, I guess it's worth all that Dougie Jones stuff. And, and now looking back at it again, you know, after watching it the first time, I see what they were, what was going on and what was happening. It was just, wow. That Dougie Jones was rough there for a while, though. It would have been much easier, like, because they didn't, they never explained why everyone's just acting normal around him when he, this guy's clearly impaired in some terrible right. way. Like, they finally do explain it, saying that he had a car accident at some point, but that would have been so much better if they just did that right away. Then I wouldn't have spent mm-hmm. three or four episodes in a row just going, why isn't anyone noticing this guy is brain dead? You know, right? I don't know. It was very frustrating. Well, let me ask but, you this well, then: oh, the yeah. entire run of Dougie Jones, like, what sort of time frame are we looking at? Is that how many? You know, what kind of time is that? Is that a week? Is that three months? So, uh, you know, in dream. So, a, do you believe it's a real time or is it in dream time? Because yeah. I think there's a strong argument. For, for saying that everything that happens in season three up until the, the fade to black is in Cooper's head. That, that's my yeah, argument, the fact that I make it. This is where it gets very confusing. Um, yeah, and, but, and uh, of course, dreams are, dreams are weird. Dreams are confusing. But if we're, if we're talking about days, you know, I could say close to a week. I would say yeah, close to a week right. that that entire thing takes place. I'll say about that. Okay. All right, so, so let's get into your theory then, Josh. Um, the skeleton key to Twin Peaks. Again, we uh, told everybody, the, the website, uh, jbmintonwriter.com, correct? Yep, yep, and the book is free. So I actually, uh, you know, asked for donations to the David Lynch Foundation. I'm a big PM meditator. It's, it's done great things for me, and I would love to see everyone be able to afford and, and have access to that. So when I wrote the book, I, I wanted to make no money, but I also wanted to produce some kind of value. So what, where that came from is while I was watching the show live, I, too, like you guys, had no idea what the heck was going on. So <laughs> I started to try and, like, I'm an, I'm an analyst at heart, so I tried to start breaking it down in terms of numbers. What, what, could, what metric could I get out of that show? And what I got was I want to focus on how long to the second each narrative stream is taking up during each episode. And I want to see how those narratives switch from episode to episode. And then looking at, you know, from the whole thing as it was being aired. And so, you know, I broke it into, I think originally like 12 streams of narrative, you know, things like, you know, Cooper, Cooper returns and uh, Ed and Norma and uh, you know, this Dr. Jacoby, just following those little lines of narrative and just, kind of keeping track of how much time was being spent on each of them down to the credits as well as the bang bang band on stage you know each time they put a a musical act on stage and (laughs) it actually revealed some really interesting uh comparisons and analysis like i was actually able to see the editors turning the dials on these narratives as if it were sound waves in a song right 
And, and, so, and we should mention we should mention in the book you have like uh, images and the breakdowns of this stuff. It's all graphed it's, out. Yeah, yeah. I, I put it all into into graphs just like I would in my in my day job where I sell software. So I, yeah, I really yeah. wanted something visual that we could see that right. Um, and then you know I, I went through it probably ten different revisions and ultimately got down to a set you know after the show it aired that I thought was pretty pretty final and and I don't think I would move anything else around even even now today and then I started trying to think about it so what's your interpretation what's actually happened and I, did you guys read Mark Frost's book by any chance Secret History uh, of Twin Peaks. I did. I after the show, we got done watching the show. I did, uh, yep. listened to the audiobooks of that and the final dossier. Phenomenal. And, Phenomenal. Yeah, I really enjoy both of them. They're tremendous. But here's the problem, though: is uh, David Lynch never read those books, had nothing to do with those books. So right. a lot of stuff in those books have nothing to do with the show, and a lot of stuff in the show doesn't happen in the book. So it's it's very confusing trying to unify everything. You know. Absolutely, and and you can see on the behind-the-scenes stuff for the new box set that was released. Just look at how David Lynch is directing Sherilyn Finn for Audrey scenes. Like that was basically rewritten on site. <laughs> I don't think she was oh, very okay. happy with her storyline as a hairdresser, which is how she appears in Mark Frost's book. And yeah. so they kind of concocted this whole weird side story, which actually is really cool. It's one of my favorite ones in season three. But David Lynch made decisions on the ground artistically that absolutely diverged from what he and Frost had written and, and what Mark Frost called a phone, a New York-sized phone book script that they handed into Showtime. So just think of how many yeah. pages that is, right? Um, well, I, too, you know, agree with you that they're obviously separate things, but at one point they were related. Like the, those two gentlemen came together on Skype over two to three years and wrote – a New York phone book size script that they handed in. So there was a story that at one point that they both agreed upon and Mark took that story and went and wrote his book. Right. And then I think he had to write the final dossier to kind of put a, a an exclamation point on top of what David did to their script. Um, but inside of that book, the final dossier, it is hinted basically that Laura Palmer is the Antichrist, that she is the, yeah. the son of Beelzebub and the and Satan, which is Judy, Jiao Day, right? Yeah. So Bob, that's heavy, Beelzebub. man. And, and that's how <laughs> I came upon that same realization when I was listening to the final dossier. I'm like, wait, are they saying she's a. So I, when I, I got online and I looked that up, and that's how I found your book because you ah. mentioned it. Somewhere. So that's how oh I found God. you by having that same realization about her being the Antichrist. But in that, well, that's an interesting thing, and it does work out a little bit. I have trouble getting it to work out through the whole series, though. You know, <laughs> like, that's totally. Thing. Yeah, t- totally. Yeah. So yeah, that what that forced me to do is to a compartmentalize to justify that. It's like how if I put these two things together. You know, that really – it's a bummer, man, thinking about Laura Palmer as the, the Antichrist. That just sucks. It takes, it takes all the magic and what meant something in Twin Peaks completely out of it. And so you can well, imagine I how – I, I was intrigued oh, you didn't by it because, again, even if she's the Antichrist, she kind of sacrificed herself for humanity, you know? Sure. So I saw it as like yeah, a, a redeeming thing. But anyway. It's a great story, but it just didn't yeah. work for me emotionally in the end. And so that brought me through several kind of just meditations and putting the book down. I didn't want to even think about Twin Peaks for a couple months. <laughs> and then we, we actually went and visited Twin Peaks. So I don't know if you guys have ever been up to Snoqualmie in Washington. Uh, I've been blessed I've to be there twice. The I'll be <laughs> I've barely well, 
listen, if you get a chance, go up there. You can stay at the Snoqualmie Lodge, which is the external of the Great Northern Hotel. Really? The, water, the oh. waterfall's right there. The whole thing's right there. And the places they filmed are, are in town. You can go to Tweed's Diner and eat at the Double R. Like, it's wow. a magical, magical place. And the people there are amazing. The community of, of people that love Twin Peaks, that live in Twin Peaks, <laughs> it, it, it almost exists nowhere else that I can think of. Wow, so crazy. do yourselves a favor and plan a trip out there. But when you go there, you tend to think, start thinking weird thoughts, right? <laughs> that, that, that waterfall is something else. It, it does things yeah. to you as you're walking, walking down around it. So that's when it hit me about the whole statement Mark Frost makes in this podcast he did with Sam Ismail. I don't know if you guys watch uh, Mr. Robot. Uh, I watched season one of it. Yeah. Okay, so he's the, he's the showrunner for Mr. Robot, and he's interviewing Mark Frost, and Mark makes this statement that when they were writing Twin Peaks Season 3, you know, the, the Odyssey was a big inspiration, this idea of returning home, and, you know, Ulysses returns home in the Odyssey, and in the beginning, a stranger is in his house, and you remember that statement in, in, in Part 1 of Twin Peaks Season 3 about a stranger is in our house, or there's someone in our house that the giant tells him, right? And so that idea of a coming home, it really began to just tickle my mind, right? And I thought about, you know, what if all of season three was a, was a man in the deepest, darkest sleep who the worst part of him had convinced the best part of him that it didn't exist? And what if that man was waking up from a slumber that was near death? Like he was literally on the edge of losing his immortal soul. Uh, that's a pretty great story. <laughs> that's true. And, and it turns out, I think it is. I think it's justified in those narratives that I was tracking, you know, over the time. And that's, that's what I tried to argue in the book. Yeah. So, so basically uh, the premise of your theory is at the end of season two, when Cooper goes into the black lodge, uh, he fails. He, yeah. he confronts his doppelganger and he fails and he's trapped in there. And basically he's dreaming from that point forward. Yeah, I mean, if you look at like the Egyptian Book of the Dead, the, the weighing of the heart against the feather that, you know, people had to go through to meet Osiris in the underworld, that action basically is where Cooper failed in episode 29. And why did he hesitate? Because of his love to for the girl, to save the girl. He has this Lancelot yeah. complex, and you remember he lives near Lancelot Lane in, in season three. So right, yeah. that that's interesting to me, that his heart was too heavy. He failed the test. So then he, uh, when season three opens up, he's dreaming, um, and the whole season, everything we see on screen is him trying to get back in control of his soul to wake up, right? Basically. Yeah, I think I think it bears out when you when you like go second by second, narrative by narrative through the season that you know when Laura Palmer is ripped out of the of this kind of narrative layer of his dream that he's trapped in this cycle over and over and over again, and we see it at the end of Firewalk with Me, where you know Cooper's surrounded by the angels and Laura's there and. and Laura's actually surrounded by the angels, but you know she's whispering in his ear, and I believe she whispers you can still save me. Like you can still do it. Just go back again one more time. And he keeps reliving this terrible loop of trying to save a dead woman who can't come back. Right. Yeah. So when she's ripped out of that narrative in part two of season three, a new narrative is put in place. And that is basically the whole purple power station caught in the glass box. He's inserted into this 
synthetic dream layer, what Candy eventually calls the version layer. I don't know if you remember that scene where, where they're in the casino and, and, you know, she tells Anthony Sinclair, we're in the version layer, which is a layer out in the desert of, of uh, atmosphere. But it could also be this alternative dream layer that Cooper's trapped in without his senses. And the only thing he has is his pure goodness. It's the only thing that's left to him. And it absolutely wins out and kind of kind of bleeds out into that whole dream layer. It changes everybody and everything around him to the point where he actually produces an exit. Yeah, his, his pure goodness is represented by Dougie Jones. And like you said, everyone who interacts with Dougie Jones, their lives kind of turn for the better. They get mm-hmm. really lucky or things start working out for them. And you mentioned Candy, and for those who don't remember the name Candy, she's one of those uh, blonde uh, show like showgirl ladies. Yep. Um, Always followed uh, played by Amy Shields, wonderful person and great actress too. A- Amy Shields did uh, the narration for some of the uh, books, right? The audio books of uh, she did, yeah, yeah, for, yeah exactly. Yep. But anyway, uh, you mentioned her mentioning the version layer, which would be like the dream layer. She also seems to be one of the people who can see everything because there are those mm. scenes in there where she just like spaces out and she's yes. not coherent and. We also get glimpses of Gordon Cole kind of staring off into space um, from his hotel room. I would, I would say those are the three. Those, those are the Hawk. three that see beyond the single layer that they're trapped in. Okay, so this is the confusing part, though. Are any of those people existing in real life, though, or is this all in Cooper? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> is this all dream? I would argue they're all inside Cooper's head. They're all manifestations of one aspect of his consciousness doing battle with other aspects of his nature. Okay, but then how could Cooper be dreaming about people who do exist that he doesn't know? Like, mm. like would all those roadhouse scenes be in the <clears throat> dream as well? Because, like, how is he dreaming about Eddie Vedder? He wouldn't have any idea who Eddie Vedder is, you know? That's true, although technically I guess Pearl Jam was a band when Twin Peaks Season 3 was – or Season 2 was still on. Well, they hadn't but, made but he went into the lodge in 89. He's not going to know. Of course. Better. Yeah, yeah, of course. I, you know, I, the roadhouse scenes are interesting. I think that uh, I kind of just never really dealt with that, treated it kind of like <laughs> yeah, a soundtrack. Yeah, that's the problem. Like a lot of yeah. – there's so many good theories about season three. Oh, yeah, yeah, mean, but I, yeah, I think every one is like 85 to 90%, but I don't know if one theory covers everything. That's the problem. That's I'm okay, at. though, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, and again, it's a mystery. They just want a mystery. I don't know if David Lynch uh, wants closure. He just wants people to wonder about it and talk about it, and he succeeded in that. But it is aggravating. <laughs> it's totally aggravating. I would say he definitely does not want closure. I don't think he wants anyone to say that that's what it's about. Although, you know, understand when I, when I speak about these things, it's because it comes from, you know, my heart. It, it's something that did me well as a piece of art. But I respect everyone's opinion. I will never say that something's yeah. wrong. You know, about yeah, their the interpretation great, of Twin Peaks. That's the great thing about uh, your work here. You always just say, it's my interpretation. I'm not saying this is right. Because there are some other people out there who say, no, this is what it is. And if you're, you're an idiot, if you don't believe this, it's like, oh, oh sure, yeah. I think there's like a five-hour documentary <laughs> yeah. on YouTube if you really want to go down a rabbit hole. And I don't think you can get out of that one. So I've, I've Did you ever that. watch that? Uh, we talked I did. about it a little bit last week. You know, I'm, I'm, I guess, you know, call me myopic, call me a, a Twin Peaks bigot, but I found my meaning in this show, and I think I'm good with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It, that guy's interpretation, his name is uh, Twin Perfect on YouTube. Uh, it's very mm-hmm. good. It's very sound, and I think he has a lot of good stuff there, but I, but I also think he's, 
he makes up a lot of stuff. He stretches a lot of stuff to fit his theory, and he's also shooting too low. I, I think he's he's going too low with this, making it just about TV. I, I think Lynch was talking more about reality and life and existence and what it means, um, not just TV. But um, well, absolutely. Anyway. I can tell you that it was a month after the show ended that I made a choice to to pay the money and go learn to do TM because, like, I went and reread. I was you know I was floored by the end of Twin Peaks season three. I went and reread. Catching the Big Fish that David Lynch wrote his meditation book, and I mean, I was really inspired to to make a change. And you know, I, when I went back through to watch Twin Peaks a second time, I was also going through this new experience of having TM in my life, and it changed everything. Man, I think that's to me that's what Twin Peaks season three will always be about is just that that internal transformation that you can you can still return to the things that matter and to the things that are good in your life. Yeah, and again, when you're saying TM, Transcendental Meditation. Transcendental Meditation, correct. There is a lot of TM symbolism, I would say, in Season 3, particularly in like the, uh, what is that, Episode 2 or 3, where the purple sea and all that, and the light higher, all that kind of stuff. And and the Ed Norma scene, I think, is is very much an an advertisement for TM. Um, It was a beautiful moment where Ed kind of just sits at the counter and closes his eyes, and you can just watch watch him kind of descend you know um it's it's a great moment uh but uh getting back to uh, uh the dream and what's real and what's not again this is where <laughs> things would split from the final dossier so if cooper's dreaming in season three then technically he he never goes back and saves laura palmer right like he doesn't right. prevent her murder it's all a dream right that's exactly right yeah and you, you, what they're doing though is pulling out a tent pole of the dream layer. So if Laura isn't saved <laughs> or if she is saved, that completely disrupts that loop that he's been trapped in with that. He can't get yeah. out of. Right. And so that's the door out. That's the ticket out. And but that's then, what, but then in the final dossier, you know, Mark Frost is writing that Laura Palmer wasn't murdered. She disappeared, you know? So, and then you also realize that Tammy starts to lose her own concept of reality towards the end of that. Right. Yeah. So you can, it's unraveling. The dream is unraveling around this FBI narrator who's been charged with investigating what's the reality, right? What, what happened? Yeah, it's just so bizarre. Like the deeper you go into Twin Peaks, the more lost you get. I think <laughs> there's just so many. So, it's, yeah, it's but, a mirror. I think it's a mirror. Like, have you uh, seen any of the videos by that guy? I think on YouTube his name is Space Cadet, and he did like uh, so. twelve rainbow trout and. Those kind of videos? Did you watch any of those? I haven't. No. What what what's uh, what's great about it? Well, his he gets real deep into this uh, rabbit hole, and he, his premise is that uh, Carrie Page is the dreamer, and mm. in the dream, Audrey Horn represents her, like in season one. But then he gets into the, the end of season three. He he says that the reason she's dreaming about all these people is that she he she saw. Uh, Kyle McLaughlin in another movie where he played an FBI agent and he found <laughs> like he tracks it down he traces it back to all these different movies like Billy Zane and he says Carrie Page is when people are saying where's Billy where's Billy they're actually talking about the actor Billy Zane and right. it it's crazy <laughs> but it's fucking uh, insane but he That's actually traces cool. it down with all these past movies that these actors were in and he draws the, he connects the dots and it's pretty spectacular but I don't know I love it <laughs> I think it's yeah. great. Again, I, I, so I went to the Twin Peaks UK Fest just this past year. It's the first festival I've been to. If you guys haven't been to one of these festivals, it may be worth the time at some point. 
I haven't left. Got it. I understood. And by the way, I I sympathize. I definitely sympathize. Um, But these festivals are interesting. You get some great characters there that just fall in love with these shows and you'll sit down next to them and you'll have a conversation that sometimes feels one way where it's just someone telling you their theories about what happened. And you kind of just sit back and take it in and be like, you know, this, this actually moved this person in their life. <laughs> it moved them forward a little bit, you know, just, just like yeah. their favorite album or something like that. And so, you know, regardless of what the, the details of the theory is, at the end, it's like, what did it do to your soul, man? Did it move you forward? Awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's good art. That's what art's supposed to do. Great art. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and again, I think your theory is right on the money for a lot of the season three as him dreaming, because it is the hero's journey, uh, Dougie Jones. And, and you it break is. it down in the book you give like a timeline and you show how he has to face like 10 challenges. 10 uh, challenges, to, yeah. Yeah, to overcome, to finally get back uh, where he needs to be. And another interesting thing um, I think about season three is that first scene we get right when the season opens where he's talking to the fireman. I think uh, you hit it right on the money here. That, in chronological order, that actually doesn't happen until Dougie Jones puts the knife in the socket, right? Yeah. When he, when he kind of ejects himself from that layer and goes, think of it like a, a rocket got launched and he goes above the clouds and he kind of sees outer space. And that's the moment where he goes above all the layers of the dream and he gets him a real dose of reality. And then he kind of falls back down into the layer where he wakes up in the hospital bed. Right. Yes. Yeah. Cause that puts a lot of pieces together. Uh, and, and also if you pay attention, I guess he doesn't have his FBI pin in that opening scene. And then he does have the FBI pin later. Correct. After he wakes up. John so Thorne has written an incredible article about this. It's a, it's all about that pin. It's all about where, what Cooper's journey is. And it's in, uh, I think two or three episodes of the blue rose ago or issues of the blue rose, um, from last year. Definitely check that out. Great, great. Episode. Yeah. That, there's like a whole world of twin peaks, uh, fans. And uh, it's one of the most important shows ever made. It really is. <laughs> I, I would agree, because it, it really did change TV when it came out, and it led to a, a whole bunch of other stuff. And then this season three, it's so weird, it's fascinating, it's so, there's so much depth to season three that uh, I don't know. So, all right, let's get Larry. First, let's check in with Larry here for a second. Larry, do yeah. you have any questions about season three? No, I'm just listening. <laughs> <laughs> But is there anything that really confused you that you would like an explanation for? Dude, I, the whole thing confused me. <laughs> what, what episode is it that it's just like the psychedelic Twilight Zone with the with the uh, service station? Is it, what yeah, is the number? Eight. Is that eight? So, by the way, I met, I met that guy. I met that guy. The, uh, the Which, guy whose name's Robert uh, Bros, I think his name is, who plays the, uh, the woodsman. Yeah, he got a light. The, the water in the well. I, I walk. I walk out of uh, in San Francisco. I walk into this building, and this guy is standing there dressed like Abe Lincoln. And I'm like, <laughs> "Holy crap, dude! You were in Twin Peaks, weren't you?" And he's like, "Do you want me to suck your head? Like, put my hand on your head and take a picture?" I'm like, "Absolutely, 100 percent, I do." <laughs> oh yeah, that's pictures wow. in the book, right? Yeah, that's right. Book. I put that picture in the book. <laughs> it was an amazing moment. It was really creepy. Have you met you David like Lynch? It. Never. Never, and I probably never will. If, if anything, I'm involved in the local TM uh, community here in, where I live in Columbus, Ohio. That would be the thing I think that I would meet David with, but I really don't have an interest in meeting famous people. I've been yeah. so disappointed in the past. 
I mean, haven't Could you, you guys? Have you ever met anyone famous? And yeah, like, yeah. Oh. Do you want to burn any bridges? Do you want to mention some names? I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be politically uh, wise. Yeah, he, he's spiritually and evolved. He, he doesn't want to marry <laughs> anybody. But, um. but but haven't you been like the clo- the a the closer that I've gotten to Hollywood and to the production yeah. of of television, the they're less impressed people. I've been. No, they're all horrible, yeah. horrible people. And I'm a midwestern, so I have a pretty you know patient. <laughs> pace and tone with people but they yeah. some of those people have pushed me past my patience <laughs> well, i don't blame I can you see that <laughs> yeah I can see that. Uh, larry and i are from western pa so did you say you're okay from we're close then yeah, yeah we're in Columbus. yeah, yeah. We're, we're very are similar. you a blue jackets uh, fan i actually don't follow sports except for the buckeyes buckeyes football that's uh, the only and that's more of a religion around here than it is a sport Oh, in fairness, true. with the Browns and the Bengals and the Blue Jackets, Ohio really doesn't have sports, so I want to worry about it too much. It's true. It's yeah, true. It's pretty, pretty bad. Um, but I'm trying to think what other big uh, issues – because season three, if you watch it as a dream, it really does make a lot more sense. Uh, so you're just, saying just basically the... season three is Herman's Head. <laughs> Herman's Head was a great show. Such a great show. I know, nice reference. I love that. Nice. Yeah, nice I love that. Uh, so, but when you think I, about Freddie and the green glove and all this weird stuff and how everyone converges on the sheriff's station at the same time, it is kind of dreamlike. Like, it all works out this way. And, it's ridiculous. You know. That whole scene is yeah. all right. ridiculous. Here's a question. Is that, you know, that zombie-like dude in the jail cell, is that supposed to be anybody we know? Ooh. Oh, the drunk um, guy with the wound on yeah, his face. Yeah, that's kind of slobbering. You know, I never yeah. really placed that guy. I, I loved him, though. I thought he was great. And I, I – I'm good. Well, I was going to say, I guess some people think he could be Billy. Yeah, so that was what that was my big running theory when it was airing. It's like, oh, this is definitely Billy. This is definitely Billy. And then you get to the end of the show, and you're like, none of that stuff mattered. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it literally didn't matter at all. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And there's also, I don't know if you've heard this one, Josh, but people say if you watch, uh, well, one cool thing you can sync up is like episode one and I think episode three, if you sync up the scenes where the box like they do sync yeah. up and it kind of, that kind of works. But then other people were saying if you sync up episodes 17 and 18 and play them side by side, it really works and it reveals stuff about. But then the I guess one of the producers on the show did an AMA on Reddit and she said, yeah, that's not how that was meant to be watched. Like we did not do that on purpose. So yeah, Sabrina Sutherland, uh, yeah, great lady. Luke. I mean, she did something heroic there with uh, managing David's time and resources and the, <laughs> the whole production of that. Yeah, that, I agree. I think it's, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> but, but I guess when, cool. they synced, when they synced up the two uh, episodes in season eight or an episode, uh, what's the last episode? Is it eighteen? Is that what? It eighteen, was? right? Yeah. So when when uh, uh, Cooper and um, uh, Diane are having the sex, they're making a sweet sweet love. That mm-hmm. syncs up with Diane in the prison cell as NATO and the drunk guy making all their noises. At each other, Ooh, so they're saying like, like he was, it was like, and then when he starts probing the wound on his face, he takes off the bandage and starts putting his finger in his face. That's when they start having sex. Wow. So, no, I've never heard that before. I like it though. So people are saying, well, what if what if that is if she's, uh, you know, if Diane's NATO, maybe Cooper is somehow in that guy's body in this. T- I, it's also weird. Well, you remember those are different layers of the dream, right? So they had to drive yes. out to 420 miles and, and flip into a new layer. And so the idea that those things are taking place simultaneously, I'm not opposed to that. I just don't want to watch it that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I yeah. just think um, 
the best way to watch uh, Twin Peaks is just to take it all in, just think about it, but don't look for answers. Just enjoy it. Just it's a mirror. It. It, it really is. It's a mirror. You, you'd have just as good a luck going into a church and finding meaning, I think, <laughs> at the end of the day, right? And I believe I believe I uh, read or heard that you uh, watched season three like eight times. Yeah, so a final viewing was eight times, and I'm about to rewatch it again, but I may kick that <laughs> a couple months down the road. That's um, a lot of Dougie Jones. That's a uh, lot of Dougie Jones. I was Jones. so sick of Twin Peaks by the end of it, but <laughs> you know, it, I wanted to be thorough and I wanted to think about it from yeah. as many angles as possible, and you know, put, putting it out there for free has really allowed people to challenge me for free, also which is great because many people have come and made me think about many different things since I've, since I've put the book out and I'll be thinking of all those things when I do a paper version of it soon. Yeah. I, I, again, I think you're right on the money here with the, the dream. I just, I don't know how the ending played. Like, so in the ending, when she screams, you saying that's him waking up. That's her, that, I believe that's him waking up. I believe he found the exit to all the dream layers, right. Which ended in Laura Palmer's house. The moment so, when, Oh, I'm sorry, but so in the real world, where is Cooper? At that oh, moment? good, good question. I think he wakes up uh, 30 years later, lying in the same spot he was when he went into the sycamore trees. He's old, like Rip Van Winkle. Time has kind passed. Of. He just wakes up, and he's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, what a great season four that would make, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> do you? Th- I, I always do you think they'll actually, actually do a season four. <sighs> you know, I don't think they will. I wish they would, yeah. and I wish they would actually go back to the 1950s instead of going forward with it. And I think I wish they would show, you know, the origin of, of how Leland was possessed as a young boy. Um, I have a friend hmm. uh, over in Europe who's actually done three films about this uh, called The Lake, <laughs> the Summer Lake House. Check it out, man. Oh, really yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's incredible work. Um, but the, the idea of going back to show the origin of, you know, that possession and what it did. So I think that's, that's interesting and compelling. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm totally fine if they never go forward with Twin Peaks. It's a satisfying ending to me. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other interesting things from season three that we, uh, <clears throat> like uh, at the beginning when um, Cooper's having, when he's trying to get out of the the, the Black Lodge there and he mm-hmm. meets NATO for the first time and there's the power sockets on the wall. Um, like he he initially wants to go out the socket labeled three and then yes. she switches it around so he goes out uh, the socket labeled 15. So that is essentially, you have to wait, explain that for us. <laughs> or is so, it the other way around? I had it the other all, way around. All right? I can offer is my interpretation, right? So the, yeah. the three, if he were to go into that world, which was probably the trap that was set for him, Dougie Jones was the yeah. trap that was set, was set for Cooper, right? And that passing through the socket was meant to remove him of all of his skills, all of his experiences, all of his concept itself right? And strip him of love, I think. And so by stopping him, Nato, who was Diane, the person who loved Cooper the most in the world, arguably, took him up to the roof. And you'll, you'll notice that she puts her hands on the machine and is kind of electrocuted and then floats off into space. I believe that she imbues that machine with her love for him. And when he passes through that socket, it's now switched to 15. Right, which is you know five well, one six. That's twice three. I, I and think so we may have passes... had a back... We may yeah, have it backwards. I, I may have explained it backwards. I, did he initially try to go into the fifteen socket, and she switched? It to may. Three. It may have been actually. I have it right here. I can look at it in the. Uh, in I, the book I think that's what me. it is, because some people were saying. Um, I, I guess that one guy, that twin perfect guy, made that big long video. He was saying, 
uh, obviously he wanted to go into the socket, the third socket, or no, he wanted to go into the 15th socket to get right to the end to get to the conclusion. And NATO says, no, 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 you have to go in three, which is episode three, and you have to go through all the way to episode 15. I can accept that because he does yeah. wake up in 15, right? Yes. Yeah. Which is cool. So. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But I, I like the idea that she imbued that dream layer with her love for him. And so when he passes through, he's able to retain his goodness because he had that, that kind of healing spell. It's like Harry Potter's mom dying for him kind of gave him that, that magical protection for the first few books, right? I like that idea a lot. There's also another – people uh, have another theory where they say when Diane uh, becomes herself in episode 17 in the sheriff's station, mm-hmm. that's actually her returning from the like reality world we get in episode 18, and she's telling – that's basically telling Cooper that, yes, you succeeded in destroying Judy in episode 18 with Carrie Page's scream. That destroys Judy. I love that too. And yeah, that works. I don't know. That's great. It's all – it's also weird. I feel, I feel like I'm back at that uh, UK fest. So I was like, oh, that's a great idea. That's really, you know, just, <laughs> There's just like a million different stuff, theories. And, and then I guess the other big theory is like Laura Palmer's the dreamer. And some people have even, even said that the dreamer is actually Naomi Watts' character from Mulholland Drive. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that one too. Well, but, you know, that's a good challenge that David Lynch threw down inside of, of that show. You know, who, who is the dreamer, right? And yeah. At the end of the day, the person watching the show is the one that's dreaming it, right? And in the end of the day, what they put into it is, is the dream. So, you know, not to get crazy meta on it, but that's where I ended up with that question. Yeah, it gets very confusing with all the dream layers. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> there it is, season three of Twin Peaks. I hope we answered all your questions. Everybody. Right. Yeah. No. You, you should have no answers, really, at the end of it. I mean, you know, Joseph Campbell <laughs> always said that a mythology works when you feel it. I feel yeah. it with Twin Peaks. I don't need to understand it intellectually the whole way through. Yeah, I think just let it be what it is. Don't try and understand it. Just enjoy it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, Larry, so, anything else about season three of Twin Peaks before we move on? Uh, not really. I love All it. Right. Fair I enough. really awesome. did. I really loved That's it. That's all that matters. I just like, hey, what happened? It. I don't know, but it's really good. That's that's usually what I say to people. That's great. Oh, uh, well, that yeah. does remind me. I did put together my favorite. My we do a bit here on the show, Josh. Uh, we do a top mm-hmm. eleven list, and uh, I did put together my top eleven Twin Peaks moments. Can I hear them? Yeah, if you'd like to hear them, please. Um, Larry, would you like to play the theme song for the top 11, Larry? No. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, this is a, a big radio show. we got to have production. I know. I, was, I wasn't ready. I was, I'm, I'm leaning back. <laughs> Hold on a second. got to get to the switchboard and shit. This is the top great <clears throat> operation we have here, Josh. Yeah. Love it. Very, All right. Very All right. Give me like five more seconds. Ten. <laughs> It's an alphabetical order, so it's tricky. I know, I'm bad with the alphabet, you know that. The numbers all go to 11. Celsius Hockey. There, now, isn't that better? I love that. Yeah, it's great. Spinal Tap. Kicks off a Spinal Tap. That's amazing. (laughs) 
So top 11 moments from Twin Peaks. At number 11, I have from season one, episode five, The Llama. Now, I don't know mm. if you guys remember this, but uh, they have to go to that veterinarian's office. They're trying to get uh, info about the bird, uh, Waldo the bird. They're trying to track that down. Yeah. And Cooper and the Sheriff Truman are standing there talking, and a llama walks between them and stops and looks at uh, McLaughlin. And they just make eye contact, and then the llama walks on. But it is hilarious. There's so moments. many good moments like that. <laughs> yes. yes. The, the, the show is very, very funny. Yeah, times. it really is. Um, you know, another good moment that I just watched again, it, it, it's not on the list, but uh, they, they got to go to some uh, motel, I guess. Uh, it's This is season one. It's Cooper, Truman, and Andy are there. And mm-hmm. they, they find the one-armed man, but he's at this motel, and they want to go interview him. And Cooper's like, how long is it going to take to get there? And Truman says five minutes, and Andy says 30 at the exact same time. And it's, <laughs> and then Andy says, well, it depends how you go. But it's very cool. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember that at all, but I love it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's very funny. All right, uh, number 10, season two, episode three. Albert's path is a strange and difficult one. Remember, this is where uh, Albert, like, grabs Truman by the shirt, and he makes this big, long speech about how it's all about love and how he loves yeah. Sheriff Truman. And then yeah. Cooper walks in after he leaves. And they just look at him and go, Albert's path is a strange and difficult. That's a beautiful moment, man. That's a beautiful <laughs> moment in television right there. That's, that, a truth yeah. was sprinkled on people that were unsuspecting of it. That's true. Uh, number nine, season three, episode eight, the whole origin story we talked about before, that whole psychedelic sequence that lasts about, I don't know, 40 minutes or something, just insanity. Um, yeah. You got a light, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Number eight. Season 2, Episode 6. I need to put a Gordon Cole moment on here because we love Gordon Cole on the show here, Josh. We're big fans. Sure, sure. Him. Larry does a good imitation of Gordon Cole. Um, I don't no, I so. don't. What? Yeah. <laughs> but, but so uh, Season 2, Episode 6, it's where Gordon Cole shows up and he tells Cooper that he looks like a small Mexican chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Lynch is the best on this show. There's no Uh, way that David Lynch isn't hilarious, by the way. I mean, no way that he's not hilarious. Uh, Number seven, season two, episode 22, How's Annie? Uh, The the final scene where he, uh, Mm -hmm. Cooper, you realize Cooper's been possessed by Bob and he's banging his head in the mirror. That's tremendous stuff. Uh, What a way to end a series. Incredible. Uh, Number six, season five, episode 19, uh, the scream at the end, or episode 18, what is it? The big scream at the end. I love the ending. I think it's great. I don't mm-hmm. care if I understand what it means. I still love the ending. <laughs> I think it's I 100% agree. Yep. Uh, number five, season one, episode seven, Audrey tying the cherry stem with her tongue. Holy mm. hell. I love me some Sherilyn Fenn. Oh, my goodness. I did too. I met her at a, at a Comic-Con a few years back. She's, a, she's an interesting lady. She's very nice. Very nice oh, lady. Nice. Yeah. Uh, number four, season one, episode one, Cooper arriving in Twin Peaks. Now, this doesn't happen until about 40 minutes into the pilot where we finally get to Cooper. But when he's driving in there and he's making the messages to Diane and he's talking about the trees and the pie, oh, it's tremendous. That sets the tone for everything. It's one it of the does. best. Perfect. That's one of the best debuts for any character in TV history, I think, in the way that whole scene. It's great. Totally agree. Uh, number three, season one, episode two, Audrey's dance in the diner. This, I, mm-hmm. I think this is one of the most iconic moments of Twin Peaks, just because it sums up everything Twin Peaks is. Audrey just gets up in the diner and starts dancing to that weird music and her weird dance, 
And it just lets you know the whole, the whole show is weird. It's, uh, well, we need to pause for a moment. We didn't talk about the music. Do you guys love the music of Twin Peaks, seasons one and uh, two? Oh, yeah. I do, yeah. 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 Have you ever listened to it outside of the show? No. No. Try it. Try it. <laughs> that stuff, it's a soundtrack to your life, man. That's good stuff. <laughs> it makes every day like Twin Peaks. You just walk it's, around. I, and... absolutely, I have a running playlist, and I will absolutely play it on at least once a week, for sure. <laughs> wow. You like the music. Um, number two, season one, episode three, uh, the big rock throwing scene. Uh, with yeah. Rocks at, the, at the glass <laughs> bottle. This is the perfect scene. The, the perfect – it's everything about this is perfect. <laughs> I love it so much. Andy getting smacked in the face with the rock, the whole thing. His, his reaction to the rock hitting him, <laughs> I had to – the first time I watched it, I had to rewind it because I laughed so hard for so long that I, I started missing things. I had to, I had to go back. <laughs> and for those who don't reaction, remember – Cooper's just throwing rocks at a glass bottle, and if it if it hits the bottle or breaks the bottle, they're going to go interview that suspect. Like they say someone's name, and then they throw the rock, and it's so good. It's just, yeah, it sums up everything that Cooper is and everything that the show is. Magnet Andy. All right, the number one moment from Twin Peaks, season one, episode three. So the top two moments both come from episode three of season one, and it's, it's of course Cooper's dream, uh, or his first yes. dream, with the uh, the little guy dancing, and oh my goodness. So oh, did you guys hear the story about Bob and you, as you were doing any research for the show or afterwards? So I guess, you know, the guy who played Bob was a grip on the show. He was kind of a, yeah. a guy who just put, put stuff in place and then they filmed the scene and they were filming it. And then they kind of caught his, actually it was earlier in the day, David Lynch said, Hey, do you have your actor's card? Because we may use you at some point. And then later on they were filming that final scream of Sarah Palmer and the pilot and he was in the mirror. He was caught in the mirror. And they're like, I didn't get it, David. Someone was in the mirror. And he's like, who was it? And he's like, oh, it's, it's you know, this guy. And they're like, holy crap, that's perfect. And that, that sparked yeah. the idea for Bob. Yep. Crazy. Yeah. He did a lot of weird stuff like that. That's a serendipity. He's a big believer in the serendipity, right? Like, just let stuff happen. And it seems to work for him, right? Yeah. Seems to do it. All right. So there you go. Twin Peaks, the best uh, top 11 moments. A- any moments stand out to you, Josh, that I, I failed to mention? You had some great ones there, man. I think mine would probably be the fu- the finale, that final scream. I'm with you. I think that was a, a super special uh, moment of television. Yeah, it really was good. Larry, did I miss anything that you liked? Uh, you know what I really liked? I don't know if it's one of the greatest moments, but one of my favorite Cole scenes ever was I, I, season three. Uh, the scene where uh, he's got that hooker in the hotel room and Albert. Oh, yeah. Up. And they yep. boot her out or whatever, and uh, they have their little talk and whatnot. And then uh, Cole says, you know, well, hey, I want to I finish this wine. And then Albert says, what kind is it? And then Cooper looks at his watch, and he says, 1130. And then they just stare at each other for like 20 <laughs> seconds. And then he just puts his hand on his shoulder, and he says, Albert, sometimes I worry about you. And it, it was just fucking hysterical. <laughs> that is great. So good. Yeah. I also like the one where he's like, "Not where it counts, buddy." Yeah. <laughs> he told me he went, he went yeah. soft in his old age. Yeah. Not where it counts, buddy. Not where it counts. You <laughs> uh, get. Um, all right, so there you go. There's the Twin Peaks. Uh, Josh, before we uh, get you out of here, uh, there's a couple other things we want to touch on. I know I, sure. I saw somewhere that uh, I believe you're a fan of Rush, correct? Oh, I'm a fan. Oh, today's a terrible day. Yeah, well, it is. I do not like Rush, but Larry loves Rush. So I figured I'd like to talk about talk about Rush. You go first, buddy. T- tell me your Rush story, and let's <laughs> celebrate the life of Neil Peart. 
I, I, I was devastated when I got home today. I didn't even know he had cancer. Honest to God, I didn't know he was sick. I didn't either. And so when I saw it on Twitter, apparently he died on Tuesday from what I read. They kept it. You know, How crazy quiet, is that? That, that? that They kept that a secret for nearly a week in a news cycle that just thrives off celebrity deaths. Yep, yep. And I don't know. I was just devastated. I love Rush. Uh, I always loved Neil Peart. I, I, I saw them, I think, maybe, I'd say three to four times, mm-hmm. maybe five times. But uh, What was you know, your first tour? Great... Oh, man. It was probably... Man, was it Roll the Bones? Maybe that around was my first Roll the story. Bones. Ninety one. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's probably when I went. Yeah, I would say right around there at some point. But yeah, I love Roll the Bones. Dreamline's one of my favorite songs. I played it at the top of our show tonight, and uh, yeah, I just I'm devastated. Like obviously they haven't put any music out because they had retired long, you know, long ago. Did you see him on the final tour, Larry? I did not. No, I did not go. I took my son, I, I, who was I think nine at the time. Okay. Um, he he was not a Rush fan. He was when he left that show. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But there, there's a great Blu-ray of the show where they basically the whole stage construction goes backwards in time, and they take the band through every one of their periods, uh, and, and like it changes and they bury into a locker room where they're you know in the school gym performing it was a great great tour now are they changing clothes and hairstyles as no as no no, no. They, okay. yeah they, they, it wasn't quite that that uh you know on the news but the the stage setup was great and the the uh set list was incredible it was everything i would have wanted in a final rush tour uh i'm, I'm kind of like uh, there's, there's I, no I, way rush didn't save my life. life what about you when, when you when you came across rush i think i was at a point emotionally in my maturity that I needed that band, and it filled Maybe. it filled a gap for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I I go that far with Rush, but <laughs> Rush holds like I'll be honest with you. I, I told Mike Dell at the top of the show whenever whenever I read that today, I immediately it immediately made me think of this friend, like my best friend from twenty years ago. I thought of him immediately, and we haven't talked for several years or whatever. Not because any instance sure. or whatever, you know, just, just life, life and what have you. So I immediately went on Facebook and we we had a good talk and I just said like, you know, it's weird that he's gone. Like like I feel like a big chunk of my my youth died. Like my twenties died today. It's just weird. Yeah. It's just like I don't know. It it, it leaves a void. Uh I mean, it just goes back to the Twin Peaks thing too. You can never go back and when time closes a door on you like that, um, it's a very, very loud echo that happens it's a lonely echo and i feel that same yep. way today i mean i i i'm devastated yep. Oh. yep 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 is that your favorite band i mean you know, no i don't know it's not okay, it's okay. not it's not my i would say my favorite band is probably tool <laughs> if i had to pick one tool. but rush oh. is very very special to me yeah i agree i hear you well thanks for bringing the show so, on guys Great. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. I celebrate. Go listen to all his, all their records, man. I I hope this is a resurgence of Russian and, and a new generation. I certainly put my time in with my son, getting him to be a fan. I hope a new generation discovers that band that made immortal music. Um, Mike Dell said you're also a son, sons of anarchy guy. 
I do like Sons of Anarchy. I'm a Kurt Sutter fan. I will watch anything Kurt Sutter does. Some of it's crap, but most of it's great. Well, I, I'm not familiar yeah. with Kurt Sutter. What else does? So he did. Uh, he did The Shield. Was his first okay. kind of big, big, uh, big show, and then Sons of Anarchy, and then he had this recent one, uh, which was kind of the spinoff of Sons of Anarchy, which I didn't really care for. But I love Sons Mayans. of Anarchy. Great show. The Mayans, yeah, right. Yeah, Larry I, I loves didn't watch Sons Mayans. of Anarchy, and he loves The Shield. You guys are like twins. Oh, I dude, love yeah, we, The Shield. Great, great good show. Uh, perfect ending to that show. No, oh, my best, God. Most satisfying endings. The guy got exactly what he deserved in the end. I won't say what it is because everyone should watch it. And Sons of Anarchy is a great show, too. It got a little goofy. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, oh, yeah, it, it definitely did. I love the show yep. so much. Yeah, because Jax was such a great character that, you know, well, I, I agree. Like, there was some really stupid shit going on at times in there. But it was fun, though. And, and Jax was always a badass. And he was always, always true to the character, and I, I really liked that about it. And I'll be honest with you, the way it ended, I kind of liked it. Like, you know, it's fitting for I did. the story of Jack Yeah, Teller. absolutely. Yeah. He, he made that sacrifice that you would expect him to make. Yeah, right? exactly. For the club. Right. For the club. You know, the, yep. the, my favorite moment in Sons of Anarchy is in season one where he's walking through the graveyard. I think it's the second to last episode, it may even be the finale, and they start playing that John the Revelator song. And he's kind of walking oh, through yeah. and you know, he picks the ring. That is the most badass musical <laughs> montage in any show I've ever seen, and that includes The Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That was pretty. That that was a good scene with the ring and the, the, the gravestone. Now – uh, getting back to the shield real quick though, but uh, like mm-hmm. you said with the finale, the the thing that was I always just tell everybody about the shield. The thing that I love more than anything is episode one of season one is still very very vital to the finale. Like the instant you know the, the things that go on in the first episode are still very important. Throughout the entire show, like it's not one of those things where like you kind of forget about like oh remember when Mackie did this like oh yeah no that shit haunts him the whole time and like you said the, the you know, absolutely it's what he deserves it's just so, so this is where so well done that show kind of veers into into like Fargo so th- those shows deal with someone who steps outside the boundaries of what you know all of us the the rules all of us live by right and when someone steps out beyond those boundaries and they can't come back. Like that's a great story, and that's the shield, man, from the very beginning. Yeah, it's so good. Now, uh, Josh, let me ask you this: What about um, sitcom-wise? Where you like? Where do you rank on your favorite sitcoms? Great question. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I like nice. a put upon man. I like a, like an Archie Bunker, <laughs> a, a Ted Danson, and Becker. I'm watching that right now. Like, give me a pissed off old white man, and for some reason that's funny as hell to me. I'll watch that all day long. Frasier, everything about Frasier is funny to me, and it gets funnier I, the older I get. I can't stand Frasier. <laughs> oh, man, I love Frasier. Kelsey Grammer. That's a great yeah, show to be, watch then, because he's a dickhead that whole show. Up. I'm a big Cheers fan. Oh, I like Cheers. Yeah, of course. I'm a, fan of of course. I'm a Ted Danson fan. I'll watch anything. Oh, yeah, Ted Danson's play. great. Uh, Bored to Death. The Good Place. Bored to Death. Yes, I did watch Bored to Death. Jonathan, uh, what's his last name? I can't remember. A great show, though. Um, Schwartz. Schwartz, yeah. Jonathan Schwartz is his name, yeah. Schwartzman, um, yeah. Schwartzman, yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, good, so we, the Good Place is a great sitcom that's on right now. If you guys haven't watched, I, that. I loved I loved the Good Place the first two seasons, and then uh, it, it kind of got a little weird. I I, didn't, I haven't watched any of it this year yet. What about Shit's Creek? You watching that? I I watched like the first three or four seasons of Shit's Creek. I really enjoyed it, um, but I it's haven't gone funny. back to it. Yeah, um, yeah, still funny. Uh, I, I like big, that man. Larry and I are big uh, Letterkenny fans. Oh. <laughs> are you now? How are you now? <laughs> <laughs> oh I just God. figured out. Uh, <laughs> I just finished the final uh, couple episodes of the new season, Larry. Um, it was solid. Yeah. I just I don't know if it's as good as it's been. Here's my Josh. Did you see the new episode, the new season? I, I'm not ca- totally caught up. I'm like three episodes into this last season. All right. Well, then we won't talk about it because I won't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, well, uh, I love I love the show. It's it's pure poetry. That show. The oh, some of yeah, those cold yeah. openings are just art. Even when it's bad, it's still good, you know. But it's Absolutely. just like, but sometimes it's like spectacularly good. You know? Listen, but, Mike uh, Dell, yeah. season eight is heavy with Bonnie McMurray, so just shut the fuck up and just <laughs> let it be what it is. <laughs> Bonnie McMurray, McMurray. One, one of the great characters in the McMurray family. <laughs> oh, she's so yeah, is great. God. People should be watching Letterkenny for sure. Uh, yeah, it is good. It's, it's, it's yeah. Well done. Uh, and I, I love all the hockey stuff too, so it works out. Um, what, what else? Any else? Anything else, Josh? That you're watching these days? That uh, so I you, I'm, I'm loving really watching anything. I haven't been watching. Yeah, anything. I mean, so my wife and I right now are watching. We're watching Fargo. So if you haven't watched the three seasons of Fargo, that is I, top top line stuff. Here's the thing. I like. I, I I missed season one. I watched season two, and I was really liking it. But then uh, the UFO stuff at the end just. <laughs> it just yeah, it's wacky. Fargo is whack, but it's so good. Um, so we're rewatching those three seasons, and then I'm rewatching Downton Abbey, which you know, you know, I, I'm a fan, and and uh, my Abbey. wife loves it. So Downton Abbey, got, gotta love get that yeah, old when you're British married, PBS you do drama. Like that. Exactly. No, I actually do really like the show and uh, <laughs> and, and enjoy it. And I'm rewatching Deadwood because I started writing a book Ooh. about it. And so, oh really? Uh, one of the most important shows, one of my favorite shows. I will say that I, you know about everything that I love. I love the Deadwood. Larry's never watched the Deadwood. Oh, Larry, come on, bro. Do you like yeah. the Shield? I you like hear Deadwood, you. Man? I, yep. I did watch. I watched the first episode. I just, I just didn't. I don't know. It's daunting. There's so many. Uh, Josh, there's only two seasons, right? Of Deadwood? Three seasons and a movie. Oh, oh three seasons. They did a movie? When they did they say, do a movie? I just yeah, did a movie. Recently. Oh, man, this is so great that I could bring you the news that you can now go finish Deadwood. It, there's an actual ending. And it, it aired just Holy this hell. year. Or last I, year now. It, I had no idea. Um, yeah, and in fact, we do an, a Red Room podcast where we interview the guy who did the special effects for it, Eric Hayden, who's now a personal friend. Great episode. Once you finish the film, go, go check that out. Yeah, I'll have to look for it. Uh, season one of Deadwood is spectacular. Season two is pretty good. Season three, eh. he, here's what I didn't like about the Deadwood uh, was when they made Swearinger like a good guy. You know, like <laughs> he should well, just stay heel. It's he, the civilization, right? Yeah, but keep him as well, a heel the whole time. Hearst was uh, worse. I mean, you know, Hearst was everything that's wrong with America now. You know, they, yeah, they basically I, I told that story ten years ago. I just think it's like, yeah, you know, wrestling, once the heel gets so popular, they turn him face. And you didn't need to. Just keep him heel. You know, just keep him heel. But, uh, Sometimes I like anyway. that in a, in a villain, though, like the redeeming sure. factor. Yeah. yeah and I it's suppose. Like, sometimes all of a sudden you're like, oh, this dude that, you know, you hated so much, now he's on our side. And all of a sudden we're going to, you know, kick it. I like that feeling when I'm watching something. Yeah, a good yeah, show I'll will twist you like that. 
I'm trying to think about it. Josh, did you like uh, The Wire, of course? Did you like I the loved movie? The Wire. So, huge David Beyond. Simon fan. Although, The Wire is the only the thing I like that he's done. You didn't like The Wire, Larry? I watched the uh, first is. five episodes, and it could kiss my ass. <laughs> so the cool the cool thing is when you get into like the second so the second season is they they claim only white people like the second season <laughs> and because it's the story about the death of work right and, and everything that happened in that first season is basically gone it, it's a minuscule part of the city and then you look at like what these dock workers are going through is they're fighting with their union corruption and you start to get involved in city hall and and every season expands outward like the third season is about the city government and fourth season is about the education system you know being yeah. corrupted and then the fifth is, is the journalism it is a phenomenal show when you look at all five seasons together it really is uh something spectacular that was done on tv and uh i agree i love the wire um what about uh oh you know a show i love that no one really ever talks about uh, it was a little weak early but by the end of the first season it found its stride and it got really good uh halt and catch fire you know, I never watched it yet. Should I go back? Yeah, you should definitely watch it. Uh, again, season one, uh, it starts off a little slow because they're kind of just like ripping off uh, Don Draper with the one character. Okay. Madman. Um, but stick with it. And then like the, the female leads in this show are so good. And season two, it just gets spectacular from then on. Uh, and as a computer guy, you, you, I think there's four seasons total. Oh. Uh, yeah. Awesome, man. It's on my list. I, I love to, to get personal recommendations for shows and find I haven't watched yeah. them yet. That's great. Just just be patient with it, but it'll come together. It's one of the best uh, – man, it is so well plotted, and uh, they do such great stuff with the characterization. It, it is really something special. Man, I sat through all, these, all three seasons of Bloodlines. I can watch anything. <laughs> Josh, I don't even know what that is. What's it's on Bloodlines? Netflix. Check, check it out. It's uh, about the guys from uh, Friday Night Lights, uh, Kyle Chandler, oh. the coach. Oh, okay. And they're a family down in the Florida Keys. And it's about a cop who eventually succumbs to corruption in his worst nature. Kind of like The Shield. Oh, I've never heard of it. I'm sorry, Larry. What are you asking me, buddy? I was going to ask you this. Um, do, have Have you watched You on Netflix? I haven't. So we, well, I did watch the pilot episode. I was kind of turned off by it. What, do you think I should go back to it? Well, no, no, no. Here's the thing. The wife wants to watch it, which means I'm going to have to watch it. So I was wondering if just what I was in store for. That's all. So I watched it with my wife, and we were both pretty kind of just turned off by it. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't really want to watch a show about a stalker that was you know, going to drag out over eight episodes. Oh, so, yeah, yeah I've never heard of it. It's about a stalker? Yeah, yeah and it gets pretty stalker. graphic. And... Yeah. And now, now I think there are better season things on. Watch, <laughs> all right. All right. I'll, I'll try to talk her out of it. I'll like, you know, we should watch well, now, uh, <laughs> how about How about uh, Watchmen, though? Did you guys get that one? I, I don't have the HBO at the moment, so I haven't watched it. So, I, get a I just worth your time. I, I hear my problem is for me like I'm on superhero burnout, and I don't really mm. know what kind of superhero things are going on in there. But I'm just I'm burning out on these things. This is a show for you if you like the Joker. Did you watch the movie The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix? No, but I think I'm going to rent it this weekend. You should definitely rent it. It's not a superhero movie. And this is really not a superhero show. It really isn't. I mean, it's it's about more it's more about racism than it is about anything, which doesn't sound compelling on the surface. The story told is incredible. Definitely worth your time for eight episodes. That's all it is. Well, let me let me ask you this: at the end, do I get to see Doctor Manhattan's dingling? Oh yeah, you get, he's, yeah, and it's big. He's got a big blue. All right. All right. He's got a big blue horn. 
Hey, uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, Watchmen, uh, The Leftovers, that's one of my favorites. Oh, so you like The Leftovers? Great show. Great show. Yeah. Um, that's my yes, favorite show. 100%. Time, probably. Yeah. David Lindelof uh, had done some amazing television since he left Lost. That's a fact. Yeah. There you go. So we have similar tastes. I would say. I yeah, think so. Yeah, us. well, you know, good us, TV proves out. <laughs> we cover you, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I was watching or could record. Well, did you watch Mad Men? Did you like the Mad Men? I, I actually really liked Mad Men to the point where yeah, I'll so probably like, write about it at some point. Um, I think it was misunderstood, like Twin Peaks. Uh, but I think that <laughs> the story it ultimately told is a very compelling one. I think it's a sad one. Uh, and it's very, very beautiful. That show is incredibly gorgeous. Right. Yeah. Well done. Um, to, uh, what else? Uh, what about the boys on Amazon? Did you watch the boys? I have not watched the boys yet. It's still actually on my iPad. Uh, I just didn't give it to it on my last long, long plane flight. Is that worth it? Should I move that up to Kiev? Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. It's better than the comic book. Did you ever read the comic? I did not. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, it's, the show is much better than the comic. But um, okay. Yeah. So give it that a whirl. But uh, well, Josh, we've already kept you well over an hour. We should probably be letting you go. But uh, it was tremendous. I, I appreciate it. And yeah, let's remind everybody: uh, the Red Room Podcast. dot com. Go listen to your your podcast talking about Twin Peaks and TV and all kinds of stuff. And then the website is uh, jbmintonwriter. dot com. You can it. download the book for free, The Skeleton Key to Twin Peaks, and you can learn all about season three of Twin Peaks. Every Absolutely. question you ever I had. Pre- I appreciate you gentlemen having me on tonight. Anything else yeah, you'd we like had a to good plug or you'd like to mention? Um, nope. Just no matter who it is, get out and vote. <laughs> Register to vote. <laughs> make it happen. All right. All right, Josh. Well, thank you, buddy. There he is. Thank Josh you, friend, Mitten. man. And uh, he's also an author. You can go to Amazon, search for him. He, he writes under the name J.B. Mitten, and you can find his books on there. So there you go, Josh Mitten. What a fella. Uh, yeah. Look at that, Larry. He likes The Shield, Sons of Anarchy, and Rush. Like you have a brother. Yeah. That is cool, though. Yeah, he's he he, he was a fun dude, man. I yeah, like TV. Yeah, I, I had no like idea. Him. Like there, I had no idea there was like so many people still like writing Twin Peaks stuff, like magazines and books and every yeah Twin Peaks. Everyone loves the Twin Peaks. Why? Well, I'm pretty sure uh, one of the books I bought for Jank for Christmas was it was like a big comprehensive like. Thing of the wrapped in plastic magazines, like they put it into a book of oh, some okay. kind, I think. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he read that or not. I wouldn't read but, it. Uh, yeah, like I said, I've been watching season one and season two again on the Hulu, and uh, season one is so good. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. love it. Mm-hmm. And you know who's really good is when you go back and watch it the second time around is Bobby. <laughs> Bobby's tremendous. No, really? Yeah, Bobby is amazing. Huh. <laughs> I, I uh, J- James and Donner are still terrible. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's always terrible. Good God. Um, well, Larry, there were some things I learned. Uh, you know how we were talking about that secret history of Twin Peaks. There's some things you might want to know here that I, I, I did learn reading that book. Now, again, who knows if this is correct or in, in terms of the canon or whatever, but in terms of the book, uh, there's some interesting little tidbits from Twin Peaks. Um, it, what, is Jank on the line? A chance? Yeah. Do you want to bring Jank on for this? Alright. See what he's doing? Jank! Hey, what's going on? Hey, it's Kevin Jank. 
We always like to just <laughs> surprise you and just bring you on without warning. <laughs> yeah. um, so so what about that? Keeps me on my toes. <laughs> what, what about that, uh, Josh's idea about the season three all being a dream inside Cooper's head? Uh, it's interesting. Um, again, I don't really like any interpretation that results in a season or more of the show being all a dream. <laughs> yeah. That's just well, I got some bad news for you. I think that's what it is. <laughs> I got oh, some no. bad news for you. <laughs> but here, but uh, I like when there's no bad news, happen, though, because wasted my time. if we never get another episode of Twin Peaks, it doesn't matter. It's, it's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, it is it's whatever. What, it's, honestly, it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. But there, but there are Even if we like, get yeah. another season, there won't be any answers. You know that. <laughs> but when right, you go back through – when you go back through, they're just beating you over the head with that. It's a dream. Like, he, there's so many mentions that we're living in a dream. Where you know, obviously, even in season one, um, episode four, season one, uh, Cooper and Hawk are having a drink uh, at the Great Northern, and they're just talking up. And uh, Hawk says there's two souls, or there's multiple souls. And Cooper's like, there's more than one soul. And he goes, yes, there's a physical reality soul, and there's also a dream soul. And he says, where do the dream souls, what, what happens to the dream soul? And he goes, where do they go? And he goes, far away. And then if you, <laughs> if you tie that back into season three, where the fireman, you know, and that he says, where you're far away, you know, remember that's where the fireman tells him oh. far away. So yeah. there's so many things I can tie in and it's like, ugh, I don't know, it's all a big mess. I, I got to tell you, I think <laughs> most of it is just coincidence. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't. There was no plan I find it hard to believe. Just... I find it hard to believe Lynch was planning all this, like even like the dream so far away, and then mentioning far away. Like that's just a coincidence. But it can make you seem like, <laughs> oh my god, they were planning this whole thing for twenty-five years. I don't know. Nuts. Yeah, maybe he's good at just taking Josh... things that were planted and re-bringing them up again, so they seem important. I hope Josh didn't want to get off the phone quicker. Like, what if he was thinking, like, oh, I'll just be like twenty minutes, hon, and then she like, <laughs> no, no, no. Right now it's like. Where the hell were you? No, I told him it'd be like an hour. Uh, he's he got divorced. Yeah. 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 Um, right. But, uh, Jank, so when I was going through the secret history and the Fondo and stuff, there were some key points that I, I made notes of that um, things I learned that I guess Larry would not know unless he read the book, so maybe we can share them with Larry. You probably already know these. Oh, things. sounds good. But um, Yeah. I may have forgotten them by now, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, here's an interesting thing. In the secret history book, it says that – or maybe it's the final – I can't remember. But Nadine was spying on Big Ed on his hunting trip that he yes. took with Sheriff Truman when she got shot in the eye. That's what it says yep. in the book. But in the Which TV contradicts show, what they said not, on the show. <laughs> yes, because I just saw the scene the other night. And on the show, Ed took the hunting trip with Nadine, so she wasn't spying on him. But in the book, she was spying on him because she was nervous about him running around Norma. She was joking mm-hmm. Norma. And that's why she got shot in the eye. Uh, so, but again, a difference with the TV show. Um, Norma married <laughs> yeah. Hank while Big Ed was in the army, and then Hank had been intercepting Big Ed's letters. So yeah, that's that classic why, trope. Yeah, you're always wondering well, why didn't they get together? Well, because that's why. It, but on the TV show, again, in that same scene that I watched last night, Big Ed says that he just married. Uh, Nadine and like because he thought Norma was in love with Hank and was going to go off with Hank but she had never even slept with him yet so they were <laughs> not even married yet on the TV show when they got married so again a discrepancy on the history yeah there's, um, there's quite a few of those 
especially in that yeah. secret history, from what I recall. Yeah. And in the final dossier, Larry, it is revealed that Norma and Big Ed do end up getting married. So uh, there's two crazy kids all oh. together. Thank yeah. the fucking Lord. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, I like this one. Harry Truman, his brother Frank Truman, Hawk, Hank, Big Ed, Jerry Horn, mm-hmm. and that guy named Toad, that big fat guy you see in the diner sometimes, Toad, they were all on the same high school football team. Yep. And and Hank threw the championship game. Uh, he fumbled the ball before he could score the winning touchdown because uh, the Renault brothers paid him off. That's Jean Renault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think that's a great detail. <laughs> Hank, uh, I think it remember, I think it said that Hank was a bookhouse boy up until that point. Yep. And then they all got pissed off at him and basically kicked him out. They even mentioned it on the TV show in season one that Hank used to be a bookhouse boy. So Yeah. Uh, but I like the fact that they're on the same football team. Uh, Harry Truman was the junior quarterback. Frank Truman was his older brother. Uh, Big Ed was the tight end. He played tight end. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> Um, uh, the log lady's husband was like a big lumberjack, kind of like a Paul Bunyan kind of guy. I, I wanted yeah. to the log lady, but it was, it was <laughs> me. Um, Hank did die log? in prison. Uh, Hank yep, died in prison. Shanked. He was shanked by a distant cousin of the Renaults. So they got him in prison. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, the, the most ridiculous thing is that Donna moved to New York to become an international model. <laughs> Ew. Maybe it's Yeah, we talked about this on the show. That's that's yeah. pretty far fetched. She married a rich guy twenty years her senior. Um, then she went into drug and alcohol rehab four times. She divorced, <laughs> moved to Connecticut, she reconciled with her father, and she moved to Vermont with him, and he still has a practice and she works as a secretary. Yeah. about that. So we saw him on Skype that one time, but she was not in the background <laughs> or anything like that, so <laughs> Uh, she must have been off that day. Well, or did we see him in Skype, or was that on Cooper's dream? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like again, how could Cooper even dream about Skype? You know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> yeah. what I don't understand. Yeah. Why um, is he just having random fantasies about girls with itchy armpits? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, there's another theory that all the Roadhouse scenes are actually Audrey's dreams. So, I don't know. <laughs> Their dreams are intermingling? Yep. Layers of dreams. <laughs> huh. So fucking confusing. Um, yeah. Audrey, is in a, Audrey was in a coma for three weeks, uh, three and a half weeks after the bank explosion. Um, she ran a successful beauty salon in the Twin Peaks area. She married her accountant. She sold the salon. <laughs> and it is rumored that now she is in a, a care facility for the mentally unhealthy. You know, so. Yep. It kind of explains, I guess, what happens there, although apparently David Lynch knew none of this, so <laughs> who knows? Uh, Annie slit her wrists again. Uh, she was committed to a private psychiatric hospital in Spokane, and once a year on the anniversary of the Red Room, she she just says, I'm fine. That's all. Mm-hmm. Once a year. Otherwise, she never stops. It's crazy that you have to read the book to know how Annie is after they made such a big deal about it. Yeah. How's Annie? Like, I don't know. Why Why wasn't Annie a bigger part of season three? Like, if Cooper's locked into the Red Room and he's visioning all these things that he loves, why wouldn't Annie be front and center? Because he was, she was yeah. in love with her when he entered the Red Room. Like, you, she should be right there, you know, in the front of his mind. I don't know. But Yeah, that's true. Anyway. If this was his dream, you'd think there'd be a lot more yeah. steamy love scenes more. with Annie. 
<laughs> um, Lana Milford, remember the young lady who married the old guy who died, and then she married mm-hmm. the other. Oh guy yeah. Uh, she ended up at <laughs> cousin at Brandon point, won't was, like this part. Yeah, at some point she was dating Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it also he seemed had the, that Trump uh, the jade was, ring. Yeah, he was wearing the jade ring apparently as well. So look out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> James ended up going to prison for six months over that Evelyn Marsh stuff. He actually went to prison. Six months? Yep, six months. I think it was because he wasn't, like, actually in trouble for anything, but someone spooked him, so he ran and, like, hid in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's basically what, you know, what caused him to get jail time. Because he ran instead of doing his testimony and shit like that. The the girl that uh, Stephen was with in season three, remember Stephen, the drug addict who shoots himself by the tree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know who that girl is, Jake? I do. I had forgotten this when we watched the show, but yes, I do know who that is. That's Donna's little sister. Yep. The, uh, the piano the, prodigy. Yep, the piano prodigy. So <laughs> that was her little sister. She got into <laughs> drugs and wasted her life. Uh, yep. The the, after the whole uh, thing, like reveal of Donna's parentage with the, uh, you know, the horns, um, like it kind of split the whole family apart, and Donna stopped talking to her mother altogether. I think her mom died without her ever even like making things right again. And it kind of split the whole family apart. It seems like. Uh, here's the thing I never knew, like uh, the R and R Diner. Do you know why it's called the R and R Diner, Larry? Uh, cause you rest and you relax <laughs> uh it was actually short for railroad it was like a railroad the, the guy who started it um would that be norma's wait who who started the thing would that be norma's uh, dad or grandfather or ray croc i can't remember <laughs> yeah. but he, but he used to be a railroad he used to work on the rails like he was a railroad uh not an engineer but he i don't know he he worked in the railroad so it, everyone just called it the Railroad Diner, and then they just shortened it to the R&R. So, yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's four um, syllables, though, but Railroad's just two syllables. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, whatever. Uh, now, the Woodsmen, this is open to debate, but the, the Woodsmen in Season 3 and everywhere else you see them, how they're all burned and scorched up, there was a giant fire on the river of Twin Peaks because it got backed up with so many logs, a big fire started on the river, and some woodsmen died in the fire. So theoretically, that could be where those woodsmen came from. But I don't know. Oh. I mean, that could be, but they first appeared in that, you know, in New Mexico around the time of the bombing. <laughs> so. Yeah. Or maybe they, I guess they, well, yeah. I think when you first see them, is that in... 45 or whatever, or is that 10 years later when it cuts to when the, when they show yeah, up there? Yeah, you first see them in, yeah, that's true. You first see them in 56 so I think they, in Twin Peaks. In Twin Peaks. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, and here's another little uh, quirky little thing, but uh, the, the secret history of Twin Peaks, they talk a lot about Jack Parsons, who was a, a guy into ritualistic sex magic and Aleister Crowley and all this <laughs> stuff. And uh, Diane, the reason why they depict her like that in season three when she wakes up, she's in the bat in Lucy's bathrobe with the red hair. That's actually based on Jack Parsons' wife and girlfriend Marjorie Cameron, who was a performance artist, and she famously looked like that. She wore a robe with short red hair, and uh, he 
cool. basically conjured her, brought her into his life by performing a sex ritual, and it brought her into his life. So, wow! But that, but that's why Diane's dressed like that in that episode. It's to pay tribute oh, to Marjorie cause... Cameron. Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. I'm, uh, I was trying to think. I got a bunch of other notes here, but I think we talked about everything important. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think we talked about Josie's past before. There's a section of uh, the secret history well, of Twin Peaks where Cooper has done a lot of research and he left kind of a note behind for Truman. Yeah. And her wasn't her mother called the Silk Butterfly? <laughs> yep. one, of the, one of the best hookers in all of uh, China or whatever. Um, she was already running like a prostitution ring in high school. <laughs> yeah, this is Josie, my kind of lady. I love the, I love me some Josie. Uh, but here's she's an interesting thing. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this. I, I, know she, yeah, she's <laughs> I don't know if we've ever mentioned this on the show, but originally the original idea for Judy on the show was going to be like Josie's sister. Were you aware of this? Huh. Really? Because, like, they were going to say that Josie's sister, Judy, was a crime lord, like, running a crime syndicate down in Buenos Aires. And that's why David Bowie went down there to investigate. And they were going to tie it all together with Josie. But then they changed – they didn't do that then. (laughs) (laughs) Huh, interesting. Judy, Judy, (laughs) Judy. Judy, Judy, Judy. Now, there's also supposed to be like seven portals to hell or seven portals on the earth or whatever you want to say. And I guess we we are familiar with seven of them. We had the Argentino, Philip Jeffries getting down there. We had London with Freddie. Uh, Buckhorn yeah. with Ruth Davenport's body on that vacant lot. New York, where the experiment is. White Sands, New Mexico, where the atomic bomb happened. And then the Glastonbury Circle and the NATO uh, one for, in Twin Peaks. So yep. there would be seven portals. But. What about my place of work? Oh. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not one of them. Feels like it. Um, so it's unusual that two of them would be in the woods of Twin Peaks. <laughs> well, I guess that's what makes Twin Peaks so special, though. It has two of the portals. Yeah. Right? I don't know. yeah They're twins. Sure. Well, there you go. There's your twi- Anything else Twin Peaks? Can we finally wash our hands of it? Are we finally done? <laughs> I think we're done. We're killing yeah, coffee. Yeah, we probably know. rang everything out of it. <laughs> uh, now Jay. we can start watching David Lynch's movie. <laughs> yeah, look, we should watch Mulholland Drive, Larry. We should review Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Right. I'll see if I can find it wherever. Yeah. It's got to be on something if, somewhere, I would think. If if nothing else, there's some pretty good girl-on-girl action in Mulholland Drive. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, I never watched uh, Lost Highway, right? Isn't that another one of his famous? Yeah, I like Lost Highway. That one's really good. Um, Blue Velvet's good. Wild at Heart. I've never seen Wild at Heart. I've seen Blue Velvet. Um, Wild at Heart is great. It's it's kind of more straightforward. It's not as confusing as some of his movies, but it's just really weird. There's this really weird Crispin Glover part that's one of the greatest fucking things I've ever seen. Oh, There's nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's just this story Laura Dern is telling about her weird cousin, and it's so good. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. Try Laura Dern and Crispin Glover. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna rate that one too. Yeah. Wait, is it Nick right Cage? Nick Cage. Yeah. Oh yep. God. 
Pinky Young and Willem Dafoe, maybe? Oh, God damn. There's no way I'm watching that. Which one's this? Young at Heart. Yeah, Young at Heart. Wait, I, I missed that heart. last name. Who who else did you say? Will, I missed Willem last. Dafoe. Oh, Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Creepy lately? <laughs> Jake, I know I asked you this before, but did you see the Florida Project yet with Willem Dafoe? Uh, no, I never did. I know it's on Amazon. So it, I probably should. It's just one of those things. That yeah, it's not like amazing or anything, but feeling. he's really good in it. He's really good. In yeah, it, so. I thought that was a I documentary. No, it's not a documentary. Oh, I thought that was a movie about like the projects down in Florida. <laughs> nope, you missed that one. Swinging a miss. Huh. <laughs> All right. I, never I mean, it, it makes sense. <laughs> But no. Um, so what else is happening, Jank? Anything else going on? Oh, oh Jank. Too much. Do, do you have any Twin Peaks questions that still bother you that I might be able to answer? Because <laughs> I did do a little shit ton of research. Is there any? Um. Hmm. I thought we were done with Twin Peaks. Still bothers me. But before what are you thinking on, about the sure. whole Audrey thing at this point? What was the point? Yeah, of that? well, see, that's think... what I mean. Some people say Audrey is a dream within the dream. Like that's her dream, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. I just don't know. Huh? Um, but it I mean, I did like that. Like... Uh, that Josh's theory was kind of addressing like candy is so weird. <laughs> yes, I like that part. Yes, <laughs> that does come in handy. And because yeah. there are those. There are those couple of scenes where Gordon Cole is just staring off into space too. Like there's one in the hotel where they just show him staring off at the camera, kind of. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that him, Candy, and Hawk can see all the layers of the dream. But I don't, I don't know. But if there's Candy even dream, a real person then? Yeah, you definitely you understand. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and how can Cooper be dreaming about real people that exist? Like, like, I was even going to say, like, Carl Rod, but I think he does know Carl Rod, right? Didn't he meet Carl Rod in Firewalk with me? But that would have been yeah, a dream, too. Yeah, Carl Rod even. Yep. But, but technically, that, no, I don't know. I'm so confused. I don't fucking know. No, no, he he <laughs> met him in real life, I think. Yes, before, that was before he went, he went into, Carl yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was before but Laura But there's other Palmer people like died. that, too, though, that are, like, real people anchored in the world of Twin Peaks that he never would have met that he's somehow dreaming about. So. Yeah, Tammy Preston. <laughs> like, we didn't know her. But, you know, the dream thing, and... but I guess the dream thing would also explain the Michael, Sarah, Marlon Brando bit, because I guess <laughs> Cooper at one time suggested they should name their child after Marlon Brando. So Cooper oh. would – that would be in his subconscious when he's dreaming it. That would make perfect sense then, you know? That doesn't he's make terrible sense. in that scene. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> but, but, that like, but that literally is like the only explanation for any of that, is that Cooper – is dreaming and he, you know, his subconscious feels in the details of what their child would be like. He suggested they name it after Marlon Brando, so obviously he's doing a Marlon Brando bit, you know. <laughs> I was watching some of the special features on the disc and uh, they were talking about that scene with uh, Michael Sarah and like, I guess my, like David Lynch was just so happy to have him there. Like they did it once and he was like, all right, that's good. Maybe we'll do it one more time if you want. <laughs> <laughs> just get out of here. I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You can tell when you watch it. <laughs> Not so good. Um, so, but I, I, I do think Audrey is dreaming that scene, and she wakes up and she's in the mental facility. Yeah, that part seems like it definitely has to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
whatever. All right. Um, hmm. uh, Letter Kenny, Larry, since Josh isn't here, we can mention. I, I did like the final two episodes. Uh, I thought the the Canadian Pickers one was pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that one was but I, I still I still don't like how like nothing changed. The fact that Mary Fred cheated on him again. This is the second girlfriend that's cheated on him. Like he should be doing some deep soul searching here. You know, like what's going on? Really <laughs> I think you're looking for too much kind of guy. meaning. And yeah, <laughs> but that's the thing. Letter Kenny was where... really, but it was really well written those first couple seasons where like you know he evolved as a character. Like his girlfriend broke, so he wanted to go back to fighting, and he had to get back into fight. Now you think like this would break him like. Some other dude was just banging Mary Fred. You think he'd be like real timid or something, or now like he needs to find his. But it's just like, yeah, it never happened. No, don't worry about it. Well, he kind of got back into fighting in the first episode, <laughs> and then it yeah, was but just he, kind it, of that same guy. But it made a change. It changed him, though. You know, it changed him. Mm-hmm. Mary Fred, nothing happened. It could have not happened at all. Nothing would have changed. You know. So. But Larry, mm-hmm. how good did Mary Fred look though when she showed up there at the door though? Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I like Mary Fred. She is hot as fuck. God damn. Oh, I love Mary Fred. <laughs> I um, fucked a Fred right out of her. Jank, <laughs> <laughs> have you been watching anything else lately? Any movies? Um, not really. I saw Uncut Gems again last weekend. Oh. Um, did you give a review of that on here? Didn't we talk about that on here? I don't think so. Uh, I've seen it three times. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, it's really fucking good. Man, Adam Sandler in a movie is good. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Durant. surprisingly. <laughs> Kevin Garnett. Wrong oh, Kevin Garnett. Time. My bad. <laughs> Anything is possible. He's he's surprisingly good. <laughs> huh. like he's he's pretty good as a, as an actor. Surprisingly. Is that over two hours? Uh, I think it's like two fifteen. Hmm. And you're just kind of on the edge of your seat for most of it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's very That's what I hear. Stressful. I hear it's really uncomfortable as a viewer to watch because it's very, like, uh, intense. Yes. <laughs> there is, there's a lot of stress involved in the movie, and he just makes like, why? a lot of dumb decisions. Uh, oh, okay. It's kind of – yeah, he's, he's like a jewelry store owner, uh, and he's in way over his head. He's trying to make all these deals and, you know, betting on games and stuff like that, and he owes a bunch of money. And so things are just – his life is spiraling down the drain. He's not really good with his – his wife is trying to leave him. Like his family doesn't seem like they care about him. So everything is just stressful. He's got this situation going on with his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, just, wait a minute, wait a minute. His, 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 he's upset. His wife is leaving him, but he also has a situation going on with his girlfriend. <laughs> yep. He's basically banging one of the chicks he works with. Right. He's got like an oh, apartment I... in the city where she lives. And – uh so he's getting it done all the time. <laughs> it's like Mike L. <laughs> getting it done. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there you go. Uncut Gems. Yeah. So you would recommend really like Uncut Gems? I would. All right. Fair enough. Highly recommend. It might be my it's, – it's definitely up there for the year. It's very Uh-oh. top Look three out. for sure. It's better than <laughs> Captain Marvel. Well, it's, it's January <laughs> yeah. 10th. Oh. oh, that's right. We're in a new year. I forgot. Yeah. I totally forgot. Um, so ten days in, it's one of the top three movies you've seen this year. Well, I saw it last year. It came out on Christmas Day. Uh, 
you know, the touching oh, Christmas yeah. day and, movie. And who are you kidding, Larry? <laughs> if we're ten days into January, he's already seen forty films. So oh, I know. <laughs> I actually didn't go this week. Um, I'm going tomorrow to see two movies though. So I'm Uh-oh. making up Uncut for it. Gems. <laughs> no, sadly. What? <laughs> Uh, 1917 and Underwater. Okay. What's oh, underwater? Okay. I, I just saw a commercial for Underwater, like a, a lady's underwater, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kristen okay. Stewart with like this weird boy haircut. Oh, I'm out. I'm not a fan of. Kristen Stewart. Yeah. You mean Jank her normal hair? <laughs> Jank and I are team Kristen Stewart. Larry hates her, but I don't know. Yeah, it looks a lot like, especially with her hair being blonde and like that short cut, it reminds me of they're just making uh, the movie Sphere all over again. We'll see if that turns out to be the case, but it sure seems like it. It's set in some like underground laboratory. Hmm. I'd rather make out with John Stewart. Yeah, I never saw the Sphere. Um, 1917 is supposed to be a good World War One movie, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be, I think, a lot of long takes. Um, <laughs> so the, I think it's eight or so, like, long takes. So it's kind of, I guess it'll be impressive how they filmed it all. Oh, like like you mean, are you saying the entire movie is made of nothing but long takes? Or, like, there's other Yeah, pretty much. Like, seen? they just must have rehearsed the shit out of it and then just let the camera roll. Well, that's pretty hard to do, recreated especially in a war, war movie, right? With yeah. Shit going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving parts. Did you ever see Alfred Hitchcock's The Rope? I have not. I've heard rope. about it though. Well, yeah, rope. But, uh, it's uh, it's just shot in all long take, like takes too. You know, just one long. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. All I right. need to watch um, that someday. Is that the one with the two what? guys? Should they kill the guy and they put him in the box? Yep. 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 Yeah, I did see that. Um, it's okay. I don't love it. Yeah, it's all right. I don't <laughs> love Hitchcock. Hitchcock's kind of boring. I love Hitchcock. Yeah. The ones I've seen have been okay. Anything else? Um, Oh, Larry, have you started watching any of those Batman 66 episodes? Uh, I I watched episode one yesterday. That was the only one I watched. Nice. Yeah, hey, Mike, though, I found this. I found this app on the the Fire Stick. It's called FilmRise. They're like, hey, why don't you try FilmRise? It's like, you know, free movies. It's kind of like IMB TV. It kind of looks like, even when you open the app, it almost looks identical to it. But I was scrolling through there yesterday. They They got the whole run of 66 Batman on there. Free. Uh, no, when you're saying just watch it for the free. old TV show you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know if this was some like new animated thing. <laughs> uh-uh. No, no, oh, the old no. show. Yeah, this is Burt Ward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we watched the first two yesterday. It's so good. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> they they go to a bar and like Robin can't get in because he's not old enough and he's like, yep, you yeah. have to stay outside. It's <laughs> the only way. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, like, Mikel, split Batman know. and Mickey, and then they take his car keys from him because he's too <laughs> drunk to drive. <laughs> I also noticed the the cow was purple. Like, it's very purple in the first episode. <laughs> it's not yeah. blue. It's, it's you, you know what else about uh, the Batman? Uh, Adam West didn't exactly work out or uh, do sit ups. <laughs> no. Uh uh-uh, uh. No. At all. He didn't have so to. Makes it great. And uh, I found this out the other day, Mike Dell. I was listening to Hollywood Babylon. Apparently, Burt <laughs> yep. Ward has a huge 
set of dingalings down there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. He has two dingalings. Holy hell! Yeah, all kinds of <laughs> balls and what have you. But yeah, that's what they said his. They dick's said it was huge. a real problem because he had those little underpants, and they'd like really tape it back and shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like uh, um, Don Draper. <laughs> puts the dick in Dick Grayson. <laughs> What's the skid's name on Letterkenny? I, I'm blanking on his name. Stuart. Yeah, yeah Stuart. Yeah, that's right. Stuart. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The big horn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a one Look liter like a can of tennis balls hanging there. <laughs> yeah. uh, Damn. And then, like, you know, uh, Katie's reaction, like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I missed out on that dick. Um, what else? I heard that uh, Hollywood Babylon too, by the way, and that's crazy that Ralph's getting a divorce. I had never I heard know. that at all. I didn't either. Yeah. Why that's is that crazy? crazy? His dad. Because he's been with the wife <laughs> and forever, and like he, he always sounded like they were really fond of each other. Like he always had like yeah. he, he was never bitching about her or anything like that. So, yeah, they would like crazy. do podcasts together and shit. Like it seemed like everything was going good. <laughs> well, in but, fact, like when, at the beginning of Babylon, they talked about how he had just done a show with her like an hour before they went on the air. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I don't know. He said they're really good <laughs> friends still, but it's just whatever. It ain't working wow. out. Wow. It's like a Jack and Meg White situation. They're just like, all right, we'll keep <laughs> yeah. working together. They'll, they'll yeah. say they're brothers and sisters. You know, they, they do, yeah. I'll be honest um, with you. I bet Ralph's pretty happy. He can get back into that swinging lifestyle that he used to do, I bet. <laughs> yeah, probably will. Yeah. <laughs> be right back out there. Uh, hey, hey, my back's better. It, it healed itself hey. last week after the show, yeah. Like, the rest of that night last week was it was hell. But I slept with my leg contorted in a certain way, and then when I woke up, uh, it, it, the muscle was better. It, like, relaxed itself enough. I don't know. So. Uh, huh. it, but you know what she I do She went right have, back though. to the ab exercises. <laughs> no, no, I haven't worked out all week, and I'm, I, it still feels tight, but it's not like cramping and spasming, so it's all right. But uh, you know what I do have, though, is a uh, like a brand on my back of an ice pack because I huh. just wasn't scared <laughs> to put the ice pack right against the skin. And, yeah, I'm like someone branded me with an ice pack. So that's, that's not called branding. <laughs> it's called frostbite, you moron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you ever need to identify shoulder. the body. Just look for that ice pack scar on my back. Why wouldn't you put a towel around it or at least pull your shirt I was down? in a great deal of pain, and I did not give a fuck. <laughs> you know, I wanted it to be as cold <laughs> as possible. <laughs> I mean, you know, that expression, chicks dig scars, but I don't know if they dig perfect <laughs> rectangle scars. <laughs> ice pack scar. It's like a tramp yeah. stamp. It's like cryopack yeah, on it. <laughs> Uh, the, the only other thing I've been doing is recording Flea Market Fantasy episodes. We did one with Brandon for DC Crisis on Infinite Earths. That is up there right yeah. now. Yeah, that's that. good stuff. Very funny trying to explain things to Brandon and myself. About, <laughs> yeah. uh, Larry, if you think Twin Peaks is confusing, good luck with DC's timelines. Holy fuck. <laughs> huh. 30, 30 yeah, I, don't, I still don't think Brandon got the got the concept by the time it was over. <laughs> yeah, I, I still don't think I have the concept of uh, And then yesterday we recorded one with our buddy Miles Watson. Uh, we do Batman Special One from 1984. That should be up Tuesday. 
And then now what the do we got to do to get Larry on this show? That's what we're, we're going to figure out right here tonight. Uh, but then the cool. one after that, we got uh, Swamp Thing. Mike L picked a Swamp Thing issue. I've never read Swamp no. Thing, so that'll be Is it Alan Moore. Yes. Yep. Has it got Adrian then, Barbo's tits? I hear those are good. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I don't know if they are or not, but I'll draw them in there. I don't. I don't yeah. <laughs> um, and then the week after that, I believe our buddy Pork Carrot might be coming on. Pork Carrot. There, from, uh, there you go. Nice. <laughs> I think he wants to talk Doctor Strange. So we'll see. I have to talk to him about it. Yeah. Then Mike L will have a pick. But then let's get Larry on the show. Let's get Larry on yeah. the show. Yeah. I'm not. Come on, Larry. <laughs> not really, I'm not really interested, to be honest with you. <laughs> Larry, Larry, Larry. All you have to do is read one comic book. I know, it. but it's just like, I don't care enough to like really break down because there's nothing like I can't think right off the top of my head like oh yeah I really loved Amazing Spider-Man 109 from 1986 I don't fucking know like I I just more like the artwork of it I don't really care about the story as much I like the pictures I read it for the pictures how about some Richie Rich or hot stuff I do want to to read Richie Rich I don't know what hot stuff is. I don't remember. It hot was a little stuff. devil. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes, I do remember. I never had any. Hot yeah, the same stuff company comics. that did Richie Rich did hot stuff. Oh, okay. Huh. All right. Uh, I watched a movie last night. I think it was last night. Oh, Maybe it was okay. two nights ago. Yeah, it's called Overlord. It's mm-hmm. never heard produced, of it. It's produced by J.J. Abrams. I forget who directed it. And basically what it is, is it's, it, it takes place back in World War II, and it's about this, um, it's about this, uh, this company of soldiers that has to get in. I, where are they going? I think France. They, they're getting dropped into France because they've got to get into this church and destroy, like, the communication tower that the Nazis have set up so that, the, you know, like, the Americans can come in and bomb the fuck out of everybody. And... Um, you know, once they land and shit, like, it, it, it's just one of those, like, way, way over-the-top action kind of movies. Like, all kinds of fucking <laughs> crazy shit going on at all times. Like, ultra-violet, violent, um, you know, that sort of thing. And as the movie goes on, you know, it, it, it's pretty much a straightforward type of, you know, army type of picture. But towards the end, they yeah, start... For a good uh, yeah, they get to this like they get to the point where they uh, start encountering like the the Nazis have been doing these experiments where they're like Captain America-ing like their soldiers up, and they're kind of turning into like these zombie-like super soldier Nazi warrior creatures, and so then like it turns into like kind of a a monster movie towards the end, and it, it's just it's fun like it's a good fun violent. Totally unbelievable type of film. It's one of those kind of things, just action movie, you know, one-liners. But it, yeah, it's a good time. But it it does have a good story with it too, though. It's not just fucking you know bullshit filler while we you know shoot down a plane or you know blow something up. There's a good storyline going on. Like that French girl, you know that her whole arc is pretty good in that. I think I think she does a good job in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, it really does play it straight for a long time where they're trying to hide these troops in their house and shit like that, and it, it gets pretty tense for a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it fun. Gets, 
It gets 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's on, I think it's on Prime. I think it's where I watched it. I think so. Hey, I, I was on the Hulu yesterday uh, when I was going to watch the Twin Peaks, and I, I looked over at their uh, movies, and their top movie they had there was uh, The Art of Self-Defense. Uh, Jay, <laughs> what did is, you watch that? What Jay? is that? Uh, I have not. I think it only got very, very limited release. Um, <laughs> not the hugest Jesse Eisenberg fan yeah. outside of Social Network. Because I remember seeing previews for it when it came out, and I was like, ah, oh, that might be something. But then I never heard much about it. Hmm. Yeah, it doesn't seem that good. I'm uh, looking up what the reviews are here. I watched you Catch Me If You Can again the other day. It got 84 in Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Really, Tom Hanks and uh, DiCaprio. Really, Larry? Really? That movie is so fucking good. <laughs> you know, I've never it actually really seen is. that. It is so goddamn good. Like, DiCaprio <laughs> is fucking phenomenal in that movie. It's a really fun, good movie. It is. It really is. It's like... Uh, Basically, DiCaprio's just like, a, he's a con man, you know, check bouncer type of thing, and Tom Hanks is like an FBI agent trying to catch him. This takes place, you know, I think it's 50s, maybe it's the 40s, but it, it's just really good. It's just fun, like that whole era, like they did a good job. I didn't know Spielberg directed that movie until I watched it yesterday. I was like, yeah, I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know he directed it, but it, it is such a great fucking movie. Maybe I'll try to watch it this weekend. Yeah, I think you'll really like it. It's it's, it's a fun watch. Uh, you know what else I did? I got Shudder. Yeah, nice. I yeah, I got Shudder. Do you have <laughs> Shudder? I I used to like last year, probably around this time. I think I had it for about three or four months. And I was just yeah. like, ah, oh, whatever. I've seen everything good on here now. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what I'm doing with it too. I mean, it was uh, it was two dollars and fifty cents a month for three months. So I was like, all right. Yeah, I'll spend seven fifty for three months, but uh, yeah, there's a couple of good things. Yeah, we I watched we watched a movie the other night. It's just called Haunt, and it's a Shutter original movie, <clears throat> and it's about like uh, these these kids go into this haunted house, you know, like at Halloween time, and you know, oh, it turns out like they're really killing the people in there and stuff. But it, it was <laughs> actually pretty pretty decent. Like it wasn't a bad movie, really, for like a Shutter original. I don't know who's financing that. <laughs> is that like I don't know if that's an offshoot of like a Netflix or an Amazon or whatever, but you know, for original yeah, for probably like a, Amazon. A, a fledgling type of like online streamer like that that specializes in just horror, like it, it was solid. I liked it. Hmm. And then I watched I watched another movie. It's called Better Watch Out. Did you, did you see yes. this movie? I made it's Pete watch this recently and he hated good. it. I loved it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was pretty fucking good. It really was. It's a movie about. Um, it's got the girl from, the visit, the girl and the yep. boy from the visit are and the both kid. in this yep. movie. Yeah, yeah they're both, both in, in it. But uh, she's like she's babysitting this dude, and the the dude's in love with this babysitter. Like you know she's probably eighteen ish, seventeen, and what's he fourteen or something like that. Yeah, and so probably too old to have a babysitter. 
Yeah, he's too old. He seems like this like rich, like you know, uh, in you know, social or entitled type type douchebag kid, you know, mm-hmm. silver spoon in the mouth type. And so like he's enamored with this girl. So like he sets up this little fucking prank, haha! Like we're gonna scare her so bad, and he's gonna rescue her, and uh, you know, she's gonna fall in love with him. So like the you know the plan goes awry, what have you, and you know nothing. You know the, the babysitter's like you know you're basically a little pussy little bitch, whatever. But then, like, he actually yeah. ends up terrorizing this girl for the rest of the night. And, like, he gets her friends involved, and he starts killing every fucking buddy, and he, he fucking sets it <laughs> all up to make it look like it was her ex-boyfriend that killed everybody. And he kills the fucking babysitter, and he gets away with everything. And it, it was really fucking good. And then at the very end, of course, he didn't kill the babysitter. Yep. They're turning her into the <laughs> ambulance, and he's... Tape. <laughs> yeah, he's looking out the window at her, and she just gives him a finger. But it was really fucking good. I thought, like, I wasn't expecting it to be like that decent. Like, you know, you know, a lot of these movies, you know, you know what you're getting with these horror movies. It's usually like garbage. Like, even the good ones are usually garbage. But most mm-hmm. of it's real, real garbage. But th- this was fine. I liked it. Yeah, it was very fun. I liked it. They kind of did some Home Alone type stuff at a certain point, which yeah. was great. Uh, I really like that. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that movie. Uh-huh. Pete just yeah, poo-pooed I'm the shit out of it, but I'm I'm a fan. Oh, <laughs> I don't Pete. know. <laughs> and then the other thing I watched oh, on there was how... – oh, go ahead. I was going to say this week on the show, um, Pete's making me watch Grave Encounters. Oh, I love Grave Encounters. <laughs> It's so goddamn good. It really is. It's a very well. I'm not. I don't want to oversell it because it is a B movie. <laughs> keep in mind. But when okay. we watched it, like I, I wasn't expecting anything, and like by the end, I was like, "Hey, that was pretty fucking good." So yeah, it's a good, solid movie. I enjoyed it. You okay. won't be disappointed. I don't think. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I watched House of the Devil the other night again. Have you seen <laughs> House of the Devil? I have not. Okay. I saw this probably two years ago, and I was like, yeah, what the fuck? I don't know. It, it was all right. But I watched it again the other day on Shudder, and I was like, you know what? I really I, – it is a good, solid movie. Um, it's about this girl who gets this job at this uh, at this big mansion type, and she's got to babysit the old grandma upstairs or whatever. And – Long story short, uh, basically the dude was just luring her into the house because he's running a, a satanic sex cult, or like a, a satanic cult, <laughs> and uh, it, it's really good though. It's a good movie. So I, I, I just changed my opinion on House of the Devil. I didn't like it, but no, it is a, it's a good, <laughs> solid movie. I like it. Now that I realized what? it was a sex cult, I'm in. Yeah, well, well not, 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 not a sex cult. Not, not a sex cult. Just a satanic cult. Oh, I'm back out. (laughs) Yeah. But that's about all I've been watching. A lot of Roseanne, too, and King Queens, Pickers. I'm watching Pickers right now. I finished rewatching all of Mad Men last weekend. Wow. Drinking, smoking. (laughs) Again, I I love, like, the first four, five seasons. And then, it I don't know, the the last couple seasons, I didn't think they were that good. Yeah, six and seven are kind of rough. There's there's good parts for sure, and I did like the finale, but and there were some good parts, but yeah, six and seven are are not the highest 
<laughs> points of the show. Here, here's I mean. a key moment in, in Mad Men that uh, I always debate. Remember when uh, the first few seasons all about protecting his identity? He couldn't let anyone know his mm-hmm. real identity. You know? And then Pete Campbell finds out about it. So Pete Campbell's kind of ha- holding it over his head, which was really good. you know. And then Pete goes running into that guy's office, the old dude, and tells him. And then the old guy says, yeah, I don't care. And yeah. then, which is fine, it's but it's just great. like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like they could have done more with that, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, I liked it the way it was. But then it like just, just lets out all the air Cooper out of that whole right the whole first three seasons, it's like, oh, so now what? Like, okay. well, I mean, that to be fair, that was in the first season. That was like the end of. To season be one fair. That oh, oh, that was <laughs> the end of season one. I thought it was later than that. Yeah, no, it was that was first season, and it's okay. not like that goes away. Like even as much as season four, yeah. I think there was the whole thing where like. Uh, they were courting some kind of aeronautics firm, and they were running all these background checks and shit. And he was all afraid that they were going to get found out, <laughs> and so he like made Pete drop the client and shit like that. So it still was a problem. It was just like, oh, it doesn't matter for the office, but there could still be real legal ramifications yeah. for this. I just remember when that moment happened. I, I kind of like was like, well, I don't know. Couldn't they have done more there? It just seemed like uh, they could have done more with Pete. I don't know, but whatever. Yeah, and then there was still, I mean. I guess that was kind of the nail in the coffin for his marriage with Betty was her finding out that he was lying about all that shit. Although it was kind of over anyway, but (laughs) fucking January Jones. (laughs) She sucks. He needs to get with the teacher season three, the teacher. Yeah. Holy hell. Oh my goodness. I agree. She was the best. I like Kara Buono or whatever her last name is. Yeah. The blonde. Oh my God. She's not. She better. Than oh, the psychologist is that? Yeah, the psychologist. Yeah, from four. But yeah. season three teacher, top of the line. Stranger yeah. Things. Yes, sir. Oh yeah. Oh, what's that actress's name? I can't remember that name. What's her name? Uh, I think teacher? she was also in Rectify. Yeah, the teacher. She was oh, also in Rectify. Oh, right? um, yeah, so, I don't know. I'm not sure what her name Kelly is. Kelly Clarkson. Yes. <laughs> That's what it is. All right. Perfect. So, there you go. <laughs> Uh, are we done here? We're done? I hope so. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> eaten yet today. So, hey, uh, next week, Larry eats an Impossible Burger. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jake, Take you had one? Team. No. Yeah, I hear you. I'll stick with real meat. <laughs> yeah. I just want to well, have something to do. Plus, I get to eat onion rings. Oh, oh Larry, yeah, here's something we can talk go. about real quick. Uh, uh, last week, uh, last weekend... Um, <clears throat> I got. I ordered Grubhub. Oh. What? Don't ever do you that. interact with a stranger. <laughs> well, no. Here's the thing. I wanted to get my mom a dinner. I was going to buy dinner for my mom, and I'm like, well, let, let's try the Grubhub. And uh, she's like, well, we didn't know what that was. So I'm like, yeah, we'll check it out. <laughs> so we ordered from Smoky Bones. You know the restaurant uh-huh. Smoky Bones. Yep. So, uh, but it's pretty cool. You do everything online. You know, you just order online. You put in the tip. You pay for it online. And then they just deliver it right to your house. There's no money exchanging hands with the driver. You've already tipped them. It's just, boom, open the door, give you the food, close the door, you're done. Right. <laughs> Although, I hear a lot of times those guys are reaching in and eating your food, though. <laughs> well, it was great, though. It was uh, it was really good. I ordered two baked potatoes and steamed broccoli. Delicious. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Is this going to be your new source of eating? Are you going to do this – 
often? I, maybe once a week. I'll, I'll get my mother a meal from Grandma. <laughs> we'll is there, is <laughs> there like, flares. what kind of fee is associated with the delivery in addition to, like, well, well, your this, normal price on food? The first time you do it, the delivery's free. You don't have to pay anything. Oh. Some restaurants don't charge you for the delivery at all. Um, so, basically, it's just if you want restaurant food, but you don't want to leave the house, because you have to you have to tip the driver, but that's like yeah. tipping the waitress at the restaurant, you know, so it's the same thing. Um, it's just basically if you want restaurant food without leaving the house. That's the right. Idea. Yeah, I, I, I know what Grubhub is. I often do. I, I, they have but Uber it, Eats. It works, it works beautifully, though. Like, it got, it got here quick, uh, and they send you all these updates when it's coming, like your your meal's being cooked. It's meal's being – it's driving. Your driver's name is Melvin. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> Was that his name, Melvin? Yeah, his name was Melvin. <laughs> That's made up. <laughs> but I was a big fan. I was a big fan. Yeah. Huh. Look at you. Branching out. Restaurant food without leaving the house. Look out. You also <laughs> probably paid like $17 for two potatoes and some broccoli. <laughs> but these baked potatoes were tremendous. They were big. And here's what they do at the Smoky Bones Layer. They like salt the skins. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you just eat uh, delicious. <laughs> you didn't put nothing in it. I'm taking it. No, 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 no. Yeah, you got to put in the little bit. Oh. no butter, no, uh, yeah. mm, no flavor. So moist <laughs> and delicious. <laughs> God damn. But potatoes are so gross Maybe you, as maybe it you is. can order your uh, Whopper uh, from the Grubhub. You don't even have to have Nick go get it. You can, you can just deliver it to your house. No, no, I'm Nick's getting. They'll eat my <laughs> onion rings. <laughs> the Grubhub guy will call you a pussy if you do that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I don't know. This weekend, I might grow my butt up again. Let's see. What What about something with like you know protein? Like what about a piece of chicken? (laughs) Why? Yeah, I got the tofu here. Got the tofu here. No big deal. (laughs) Yeah, but how about something that that had eyes once? (laughs) Potatoes. (laughs) Didn't Kurt Cobain (laughs) said fish don't have feelings? It's okay to eat. That's right. It's okay to eat fish because fish don't have any feelings. Yeah. Well, I went to that bridge before. Oh, really? Yeah, sure did. It's pretty great. They got like a little shrine set up there. Did you go to the real Twin No, I think next time I go out to Washington, no, I'm definitely going to have to do that. Pete said that he's pretty sure he's been to that diner. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But he didn't care because he doesn't watch the show, so. (laughs) Well, he better watch the show. (laughs) I know, I tried to tell him that, but. The fuck, Pete? I'm sure he would hate it. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, uh, but but Larry, I liked having a guest. It was nice to have a guest again. We haven't had guests in a long time. Yeah, yeah. new blood too, Mike. Yeah. yeah. Should uh, we should try and get more guests? Well, let's just bring him back. Where's on uh, for where's Steve times. Yeah, we haven't had Steve Wilton on in a while. Um, I haven't even seen London. him on social media too much. I saw he retweeted something about Diana Ross yesterday or today or something. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we can try and get Steve on. Um, hey, yeah, hold on. We need to meet more friends, Larry. We need to meet more people. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Why don't? What about your wrestle with a plot, people? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That. So, all them. right. What? Let's thank uh, Josh. What Whitton. about Melvin? Can we get Melvin? Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Maybe if he delivers yeah. my food on Sunday, I'll ask him. <laughs> I'll see if he, he wants all to come right. in. <laughs> oh. 
Was so, Melvin uh, 92 years old? No, nah, he's like a kid. Kid. No. Really? Yeah, a young guy named Melvin. Yep. Weird as fuck. That's an old <laughs> so, man name. So, uh, yeah, we've got to thank Josh Minton, redroompodcast.com, and uh, J, or, yeah, jbmintonwriter.com is the website. And the book is the Skeleton, the skeleton Key to Twin Peaks. You can download it free. It's just a PDF file. You can uh, read it up. And yeah, that's cool. There you go. I like that. I got it last week. I haven't. I, I haven't. I read a little bit of it. Yeah, I, I read it. How like many pages, pages is the PDF file? Oh, it's like okay. 298 pages or something. That's, it's that's pretty solid. Big. So yeah, yeah. Like he he breaks down each episode. Uh, he tells you what happens in the episode, then he gives you his interpretation of what happens, and he gives you those graphical images of how the narratives are broken down and what plots or characters are being featured. And then he also has some essays throughout, like three or four essays between um, the episodes. So, I just like the yeah. fact that he's cool with anything. Like, yeah, that's that's a good idea too. That's a good theory too. Like, <laughs> yeah. he, he's open to anything. Like, anything's yeah. possible. Like Kevin Garnett or what? What's his name? Yeah, Kevin Garnett. <laughs> Anything is possible. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, so again, thanks to Josh. Uh, go listen to Flea Market Fantasy. Larry's going to be on it soon. Uh, yep. Uh, Grassroots campaign to make this happen. <laughs> Start a GoFundMe to get Larry on uh. Flea Market Fantasy. <laughs> uh, and what else is that? It, Larry? Uh, yeah. I'm I'm done. All right. I've been up since <laughs> four. Thanks, All right, Jank. Uh, yeah, thanks, Jank. Sure. Thanks, Tuffy. Tuffy's on hold. Oh, thanks, Tuffy. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Tuffy. Um. So go to one nine books. Get some books. Yeah. Uh, teacher's book. Fucking, I saw Brandon the other day saying like, "Oh, should I come up with another book of poetry this year?" And I'm like, yeah. "This year, you'll never get another book of poetry <laughs> outside of this year. So it's already January." He'll but uh, <laughs> you can go buy a lot of award-winning books over at One Nine Books. Honest John raises Cain, Sinner's Cross, Knuckle Down, Cage Life, award winners, Larry. Oh, Fun. speaking of yeah. which, the. I don't know, the Independent Book Awards or something followed me the other day on Twitter for some reason. Oh, look at that. They know you know me. Yeah. Look at that. Wow. Yeah, I didn't follow back, though. I didn't follow back. <laughs> too much pressure. Yeah. You know. They're trying to get you to write a book, Larry. Yeah. Put the pen to paper. I'm not ready to, not ready to publish yet. Just not. <laughs> and uh, that's it. I don't know. All right. At... LCS Hockey 1-9. Pass the gin, Governor.
Rick Vaughn gets the starting call today. We're told he matured a lot over the winter. Apparently, he's bathing now. Congratulations, Rick. As you know, Monty, Vaughn's been working on a couple of new pitches, the Eliminator and the Humiliator, to complement his fastball, the Terminator. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in, Monty. That broadcast school has really paid off. Thank you very much.
Come on.